who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. The Dungeon Cast team is excited to announce Star Seeker's Guide to Drakenstar, a 5e-compatible campaign setting book based off of our actual play D&D podcast, Super Quest Saga. Welcome to Drakenstar, a setting where science fiction meets high fantasy. Set in the far future of what was once a classic fantasy world, civilization has now spread across the many planets of the known galaxy. Countless eons have passed since the ancients left their original prime world far behind and ventured to the distant stars. Drakenstar encompasses in details an entire galaxy where players and NPCs travel by spacecraft to various planets and star systems. Exploration of alien frontiers, starship skirmishes by etherlight, advanced civilizations vying for galactic dominance, and the fusion of ancient sorceries with biological and technological advancements. All of these and more are elements of adventure in the universe of Draken Star. So the city of Domain Bastion becomes visible below you, uh, and it is by far, by far the largest city that you've ever seen. Um, but it's essentially this ocean of skyscrapers and streets laid out in a perfect grid system, uh, and it stretches out before you. Um, Outlaw's Horizon was a major city mm-hmm. in its own right, but this is on a different Dangerous. scope. This is the scope of a planetary capital. All of these ships have a vaguely like dragon-esque look to them. Um, but among them is something much larger than any of the vessels that are present. An enormous winged monstrosity about the size of a skyscraper. Victoria whispers, a dragon. That's not a boat. (laughs) That's no moon. Four of the eggs closest to the cart begin to crack, and bursting forth from them are these crustacean-looking monstrosities with two huge, like, lobster claws a singular eye and a great gaping maw of teeth. Everyone roll initiative. With this book as your guide, discover the planets and peoples of galactic nations such as the Draconic Star Sovereignty or the Imperial Elven Dominion. Experience the futuristic player options such as the Heavy Gunner, the Bounty Hunter, and Pact of the Machine Warlock. Pit your players against a galactic bestiary containing unique creatures and entities such as Galactic dragons, mechanized constructs with advanced AI, alien monstrosities, and primal cosmic entities. Star Seeker's Guide to Drakenstar will be available as a digital PDF as well as in a gorgeous hardcover format. Go all out with our premium Drakenstar starter kit 
including a custom Celestial Dragon dice set, DM screen, and more. To learn more about this exciting project, to pre-order your book, or to simply show your support, visit Dragonstar.com and join the legions of Star Seekers setting out to explore the galaxy today. Our scene opens on a vast sea of red desert sand. This is not the rusty red dunes caused by the oxidation of iron in the soil countless planets of the galaxy exhibit. No, the blood plains of Kaboros are a sand sea of crimson red. And stark against the sweeping hellscape is a sky of everlasting black night. Despite the glaring scarlet sun of Nessus bearing down from above. At a glance, this scene seems completely void of life. But as we look closer, movement can be seen on the horizon. From a distance, what appears to be a winding black snake, miles long, slithering torturously slow across the waist can be detected by the keen eye. And as we move closer, the details of the cyclopean serpent coalesce and the individual cages of a slave caravan become clear. Cages of black iron, 15 feet tall and 30 feet wide. Hundreds of them, hitched and chained to each other, and all conveyed forward by a mechanized infernal engine at its forefront. Within the cages are the dark shades of countless souls, the misery-begotten damned, claimed by the princes of hell, stare lifelessly through the bars of their confinement. To those close enough to hear, the whispers of their anguish carry on the wind, but more to their misfortune, the only ones who can hear them are the marching chain devils who oversee their confinement. And if pity were ever a thing a fiend could feel, these sadistic and cruel jailers killed that emotion inside themselves long ago. Atop the infernal engine, perched upon a throne of ebon steel draped in finery and silk, sits a gruesome and squat devil. Its disproportionately large and elongated bald head are hosting pig-like eyes, a pug nose, and a mouthful of jagged teeth. In juxtaposition, the fiendish conductor is adorned in fine robes from regalia fit for a king. His name is Elop Ball, and he is known as the Enchainer. His caravan delivers the souls of the damned directly to Lord Satros himself, and he always delivers. How much longer until we reach the city? Not much longer, my liege. A few hours at most. Excellent. Ahead of schedule, then. Elop Ball presses some buttons in a console embedded in his throne's left arm. With a hiss, a hatch at his feet opens, revealing the interior of the hell engine below him. Inside, four hunched-over slave imps, covered in coal dust and grime, toil at levers and furnaces. Ball lifts with his right hand a whip lined with metal barbs and begins to lash the laborers. Faster! I desire to have ample time within Pusa at the ultimate sin. The imps begin to work in a faster flurry, and the hatch closes at a button press from Ball. The foul enchainer then looks over at the chain devil on his left. I won't miss this opportunity. She gives the most exquisite tongue baths. Mm. Before the chain devil can react, there is a sudden flash of light ahead of the caravan. It blinds the devils for a split second, and as their vision clears, they see a bizarre sight. On red desert sand, a man in silver and blue armor kneels upon a glyph of evaporating mist. With a rush of marching feet, a battalion of chain devils position themselves between the newcomer and their liege. The armor knight stands, and his horn helm lifts as he looks up from his genuflection. 
His visage is not of a man or fiend, but that of a long-lost people. Sebastian Crenshaw, half-orc paladin, stands before an infernal phalanx of chain devils armed with black assault lasers all pointed at him. What do you do? Without saying a word, Sebastian begins to walk towards the chain devils. They warn him to stop, but he continues to just walk towards them without concern. They raise their guns and open fire. Sebastian casually raises his shield to deflect the incoming fire, all while walking towards him. Once he gets close enough, in a flash of light, he unleashes a flurry of sword attacks and shield bashes taking down the chain devils, with more precision and quickness than ever seen before by Sebastian. As Seb clears past the bodies, he stares directly at Elat Ball and continues towards him with walking while walking a little faster without taking his eyes off of Elon. The bodies of chain devils litter the ground as their blood soaks into the aptly named desert sands. Elot Ball stands atop his engine with his mouth agape before the slaughter that just played out before him. He lifts a trembling hand wielding a scepter as if to cast a spell or issue a command. Then suddenly, he leaps off the engine and breaks into a hobbling sprint away from Sebastian. Incomprehensible shrieks, possibly pleading for mercy, issue from his maw. What do you do now? While shaking his head, Seb yells, Running will just make this worse. And then in a streak of light, you see Sebastian appear next to Elot. Elot Ball falls to his knees. Please, please, I'm begging you. Spare me. I'll give you anything, whatever you want. Money, connections, suck you by. Just don't kill me. Which one? What? What? Which cage? That's what you're here for? I said, which cage? Okay, okay, my apologies. Uh, pl- please just don't kill me. It's it's a private stockade. Only one like it. No windows or bars. Fully enclosed. The 55th cage in the column. What do you do next? I think at this point, Seb will bind Elot's hands and feet, and then we'll gag him with a cloth so he can't speak. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't talk. Shut up. <laughs> Seb will walk him to and sit him down in front of the train, and Seb will tell Elot, don't move. Sebastian begins marching along the now still cavalcade. He can hear the moans of despair issuing from the shades, their eyes following him as he passes. As Seb walks down this train, he'll casually open up a few doors here and there, and then he'll open up the last one, and he'll give him a nice little look, the shades inside, and he'll tell him, there's a little surprise for you at the front of the train. Feel free what you must. So we'll say that the shades don't react at first, but as you continue down the cavalcade, you can actually hear soft footsteps of them exiting their cage slowly. Cage after cage, Sebastian passes until he finally reaches the 55th. A cube of black iron, 10 feet by 10 feet, engraved with the images of chains and skulls. On its side is a tall rectangular vault door, with a jagged spoke wheel for a latch. The wheel resists at first, but gives way to Sebastian's strength. The door creaks open. Stepping inside, it takes Sebastian's eyes a moment to adjust to the extremely dim interior. The cage is completely bare of features, nothing but smooth black iron for walls, floor, and ceiling. But huddled in the corner, nearly invisible except for its two gleaming eyes, is a shade. The shade looks at Sebastian for a moment, an intense gaze, and then it turns away, eyes boring into the floor. This shade is indistinguishable from all the others in their cages, but Sebastian can feel it. It is him. Davrex, uh, 
I... Sebastian's voice falters as he is at a loss for what to say. Tell me, in that final moment before you drove that knife into my heart, you whispered something into my ear in a tongue I did not understand. Tell me. Tell me what you said. Sebastian takes a deep breath. <sighs> I said, forgive me for what I must do. This path that I am on is the only way for us to save the galaxy. I then told you a warrior's prayer for my time. A warrior's death is not the end, but just the beginning, as you now will fight to earn your rightful place in the afterlife. And was that the truth of it, or merely an excuse to justify your methods? It was the truth, I swear it. And did you? Save the galaxy, that is? We did. Truly? Yes, though it does not absolve me of what I have done. We saved the galaxy from total destruction. A moment of silence passes between the two. And then Davarek speaks again. Good. And what now? If you will come with me, there is someone I'd like you to meet. The Shade stares at Sebastian intently for a long moment. Suspicion and curiosity shine in equal measures in its eyes. Then slowly, the shade of Commander Davarax reaches out a hand towards Sebastian. Sebastian takes it and lifts the old soldier's soul to its feet. Immediately, there is a change. Coming into contact with Sebastian's newly begotten divinity has an effect on the shade who, though still continuing to be composed of shadow without detail, takes on the vague form of a dragonborn male in heavy armor. Davarax looks down at himself for a moment and then makes eye contact with Sebastian. Sebastian gives Davarax a reassuring nod, and then, in a flash, the two disappear, leaving behind only the icy glow of a glyph on the floor where they stood. The symbol of the Celestial Dragon. A young Fearbulg woman floats in meditation against the ethereal glow of the spiritual realm, or at least a being with the appearance of a young Fearbulg woman, though she isn't precisely just that anymore drifts through the endless sea of spiritual spheres that shine with the light of all living things in the galaxy. To a passive observer, though there are few who would be able to spy on her in this place, the floating young woman would appear as she is thus presented. But were said observer to tilt their head in ever such a way, or to catch a glimpse of her from the corner of their eye, they would see much more, a great iridescent spectral bird of prey unlike any living creature in existence. Glorious, terrifying, fierce and loving. Persephone Goldpetal and the Galactic Spirit are one and the same now. This comes with its perks. For example, she can step to and from the spiritual realm on a whim now. Anywhere there is life, Persephone is and thus she can appear physically. And she has used this ability of hers extremely altruistically for the passing months, tending to the wounded in the aftermath of war across countless planets, nurturing the wildlife of worlds devastated by destruction, and guiding her fellow singers from their former enslavement to new worlds where they can flourish. This includes the world of Arcadia with Rohorn and his fellow druids, but also includes a new world, a world they are now calling Elysium. A world where a new community of Fearbulgs grows by the day, free from the shackles of subjugation and free to build a society of their choosing. Persephone has taken to teaching these nascent communities the old ways, the ways of wood and stone and water. 
They have abandoned their old name as singers and have come to adopt the name of gardeners again as their own. And some have even taken on the lost tradition of nomadic travel, seeking new places and people in need and teaching those who will listen of the old ways. Already the legends have begun to spread across the stars of an alabaster maiden who rides on the wind and shines like light. She brings healing and solace and warmth. Flowers bloom where she walks and her laughter is like music to the ears. The Lady Gold Petal, she of splendor and grace, the Celestial Mother, she is known by many names now. And here and now, Persephone continues her mission, using her new connection with all living things to find where her influence will do the most good. In her meditation, she searches, and as she searches, her mind wanders. She knows that this won't last forever, her self-awareness. It might take centuries or even millennia, but eventually, she will complete her merger with the galactic spirit. She will cease to be herself for a time, and then eventually her soul will be reborn, as all souls are. Suddenly, something stirs Persephone from her meditative musings, a soul on a far-flung planet, a quiet, peaceful world that somehow managed to avoid most of what they are now calling the Great Solnovian War. She does not know why, she feels drawn to the soul in an inexplicable manner. Trusting that the galaxy will provide, Persephone steps out of the spiritual realm and onto a grass field on this far-flung world. The warm light of a golden sun radiates upon her. Up on a nearby hill, a cozy cottage sits snug within a grove of swaying willow-like trees. The soul that draws her own like a lodestone seems to lie within. Persephone, what do you do? Um... Yeah, she'll uh, she'll approach the cottage, uh, not cautiously, but um, you know, kind of. <laughs> yeah, like with a with a curiosity, you know. Oh, okay, I see. Um, as Percy approaches the cottage, a gust of wind conveys the rich scent of herbs and flowers, along with the mineral scent of soil. An elderly halfling woman is working in the cottage garden. Her back is turned to Persephone. Percy has never met this woman in her life. But this is her, the one who she feels called to. What do you do, Percy? Um, I guess not necessarily like tentatively, but um, she'll just kind of like walk up and just uh, be like, uh, excuse me. The woman looks up from her work in surprise. Oh, oh my, I, I wasn't expecting anyone today. She turns and sees you, Percy, and she's, What brings you out here today? And she squints at you hard for a moment. You don't look unwell. Why, you look as far the opposite of unwell as can be. Is it family? What's wrong with them? Speak up, young one. What symptoms are they exhibiting? Um, Percy is probably, like, a little bit taken back. He's just like, oh, no, 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 uh, don't, uh, don't worry. I'm, uh... You know, I don't really, I don't need anything. Uh, I was just wondering, um, you know, do do you maybe need anything? Like, are how, like, are you okay? <laughs> you're you're not trying to sell me something, are you? Not trying to take advantage of an elderly woman out here on her own? No, of 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 course not. I would not uh, dream of it. You know, I was just uh, I was passing by and uh, <laughs> relax. Felt <dear>. like maybe <laughs> relax. I'm just pulling your leg. Us old folks have to find laughs where we can get them. You don't look like a salesman, and I don't get the impression you're here to rob me either. Well, if you aren't here to buy remedies, then at least you can do is lend an old lady a hand or a back if you got it. 
I can pay you with some lunch, some tea, and my long, my lifelong worldly wisdom if you have the wits to receive it. Uh, yeah, of, of, of course. What are you, uh, what are you working on? You're, you're tending your garden? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm tending the, the, the garden that helps heal the community that lives nearby. What's your name, girl? Uh, Persephone. She looks a little surprised when she hears her name and she says, that's a lovely name. Well, they call me Mother Ceres. Well, you can just call me Ceres. Well, let's get to so it. Say, yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you, too. With that, the two get to work. Together, the two water the garden, trellis the faster-growing plants, and manage the compost. They pull the weeds, prune the wilder growths, and repot what needs repotting. They harvest what's ready and organize the tools. And after a few hours of work in the sun, the work is complete. Sarah's wipes the sweat from her brow with a sigh. She looks at Persephone approvingly and nods. Did I say tea earlier? What I meant was some ice-cold lemonade. Thanks for your help, darling. Come inside and wash up. I'll get us something to eat. Oh, yeah, uh, some, some lemonade sounds great. Inside, it is as cozy as the quaint exterior of the cottage entails. Things here are sized primarily for a halfling, but Percy doesn't feel too stifled. Entering the home of Sarah's, she is awash with a familiar scent, sage and clover. A memory tickles the back of Percy's mind for a moment before vanishing. After washing up, Percy hears Sarah's voice from outside. I'm up front, sweetness. Percy finds Ceres in a rocking chair on her front porch, a pitcher of iced lemonade cups and a stack of cut sandwiches on a platter beside her. Sweetness, I, I haven't called anyone that since well. Not since my little baby sister was still a tot. I don't know why that slipped out. I'm sorry if that was too forward. Please, eat. You've earned it. Um, no, it's a... Uh... It's all right. I've I've definitely been called far worse things <laughs> in my life. <laughs> well, the two enjoy their food in a silence that isn't awkward, but content, enjoying each other's company. Can can I tell you something, Percy? Uh, yeah, of course. You seem familiar to me. Have we met before? You know, I was a. Uh... I was thinking the same thing while we were working today, but I, I don't, I don't think so. Like, uh, it is, it is funny. Like the, like we always meet people, you know, at the, at the right time. She says, I don't know why, but I, I feel like I have this feeling as if I've known you my whole life. I, I must really be getting old. You know, I never had children. Not that I didn't want them exactly, just never happened for me. I'm okay with that. Really, I am. But it's so strange. When I was younger, I always dreamed I had a daughter. A wee little thing full of joy and laughter. It felt so real and I was happy. I remember I would cry when I woke up to find it wasn't real. Silly, really. Those dreams faded as I grew older. I... Sarah suddenly stops blushing. I don't know why I'm telling you all of this. I'm not normally this comfortable with strangers. Please, tell me something about yourself so I can stop yammering. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, shoot, what is there to tell about me? Uh, I'm a, um, I'm a wanderer, you know, just kind of go from, uh, place to place. I guess, uh, it seems like you're a healer. Uh, I'm somewhat of a healer myself. I got that sense from you. 
You, you handled yourself around the garden as if it was not your first time. I appreciate your help again. Yeah, of course, any uh, time. The two talk for some time. As a matter of fact, they talk so long, night begins to fall. Ceres begins to slowly nod off in her rocking chair, but before she does, she whispers to Percy. Percy, dear, thank you for visiting me today. I know it sounds so strange, but I would really enjoy it if you continued to visit me whenever you could. Would you do that for me? Uh, yeah, of course, I'd, uh, I'd love to for as long as you want, uh, as many times. <laughs> Ceres smiles. Uh, as she begins to nod off, she whispers, Thank you, sweetness. Percy stares at the elderly halfling woman rocking and sleeping gently. She finally understands why she had felt drawn here so. Percy had never known her birth mother. She had had the chance for that taken from her. But here and now was a chance to change that in perhaps a more peculiar fashion than most. Because all souls, when they pass from this life, Rejoin with the galactic spirit, and all souls eventually are reborn. Come in, scouting team. How are we looking? There's a blind spot on level two, area C. We can use that for entry, just like you and the logician said. Sensors detect four guard units. Sending over their exact positions now. Good, good. Infiltration unit. Are you in position? Oh, this is humiliating. Not only are we answering to a fleshy, but there isn't a single bounty on this entire ship worth our while. Our reputation as the freelancers is at stake. Ah, uh, don't be like that, Armo. I'm gonna be honest, this is kind of fun. I like this pointy-eared fellow. Oh, we are in position. Excellent. I have your location noted. Log, has the extraction point been routed? Hmm. Every action and countermeasure has been considered and accounted for. Probability for extraction and mission success falls within a 99% success rate. All operatives are clear to move forward. And may I add, how dare you question mine? Perfect. The ambuscade is with me. I work better alone. I don't agree with how we're being utilized. There are too many of us on a single objective. We should be split up and sent out to collect. Alright, that's enough chatter. No more gripes. You all have your assignments, and orders from me are as good as orders from the Guildmaster himself. The Imperial Elven Dominion is a dangerous regime, especially under the leadership of one such as Salundar, son of Melundak. He shall fall by my blade on this day, and my people will suffer his tyranny no longer. I have Gil's blessing to utilize the freelancers as I see fit until his agreement with me reaches its conclusion. I will ask one final time, is everyone in position? The Mystic in position. The Fury in position. The Armory in position. The Dynamo in position. The Logician in position. The Ambuscade in position. Ambuscade, hold me close. I'm making a door. Oh, and one last thing everyone. Don't forget to keep an eye peeled for Space Satan.
to the crew of Victory's Ascent. It's been some time since we all went our separate ways. I wanted to leave this message behind as a memento of our friendship. These are things I wish for you to always remember. Meeting all of you changed my life in ways I could have never imagined. What we were able to do was incredible, and I am proud to tell our story to generations yet to come. Your acceptance and loyalty to each other created the safe space for me to self-reflect and heal. It was this that led me to reconnect with parts of myself I thought were lost and broken. Know that we are never truly apart, as our spirits shall breach the expanse of the galaxy and join as one. Remember that your pain is mine, just as your joy is mine. Should you ever find yourself in need of aid, or perhaps just looking for a trustworthy soul to join you on a new great adventure, know that you can always call upon me, and I shall answer. Forever in your debt, Arcadian Gallanter, codename Echo. P.S. Watch out for Space Satan. To the cast and crew of SuperQuest Saga, it was my deepest honor playing Dungeons & Dragons with all of you. Jake, Josh, William, thank you so much for all the memories, the hilarity, the excellent moments, and some of the best times I've ever had playing Dungeons & Dragons. And my infinite gratitude to all of you listening out there. See you on the next one. Atop a plateau of white crystal stands nine pillars 1,000 feet tall. Statues of gods long dead, but whose divinity remain intact in physical form. Ethereum, once known as Godstone before its origins became lost to history, the most valued substance in the galaxy. It changed history, made faster than light travel possible, pushed technology to heights never before imagined, and powered an empire for a 100,000 year reign. And here in Kadath, not just the pillars and city proper, but the endless sea of forests stretching around it, rests more Ethereum than the galaxy has ever possessed by an uncounted factor. The one called Primina stands at the foot of these nine pillars, gazing over the lost city. Her city now. She's changed again, though in many ways remains the same young woman she had been. Standing now nearly ten feet tall, Primna's long black hair cascades over four angelic wings arcing from her back. Her golden eyes shine with a divine radiance that illuminates all they gaze upon. Her blue-toned skin has taken on an almost metallic appearance, and a ghostly halo of iridescent light adorns her head like a crown. The Ethereum released into the new universe at the point of the Prime Event was intended to forge beings like Prim into existence. New gods who, when the time came, could come together to do what their predecessors did and renew the seal, barring the nameless one outside. But that was not how things came to pass. The utility of Aether power and discovery of FTL drives paired with the mad god Emperor Solastarin hoarding over 50% of the galaxy's known supply prevented the rise of any such being. Instead, a ragtag team of adventurers had to step up and complete a job not meant for mortals. 
and somehow they pulled it off. The seal was renewed, but not without sacrifice. The seal and Primina are now one, and she can no longer leave this place. By fusing her consciousness with the seal and the power, she had been able to restore its power. Better yet, having now become a living, sentient, deific entity, the seal is stronger than it was, more flexible and adaptable. Primina feels the outer entity pushing against the seal, attempting to strain it, to break it. Feeling the presence of the Nameless One in the back of her mind, Primina shivers, but the seal stands strong. Primina stands in quiet consideration. She needs to make a decision. She turns to gaze upon her two guardians. One is new to her, though true of heart and valor. The other is one of her oldest and dearest friends. Sebastian Crenshaw stands in honored reverence of her. He chose to stay and stand by his oath now made stronger by her apotheosis. She will never be able to express how thankful she is that he chose to stay with her. The once paladin, now exarch, gives her a nod. A nod that communicates his full and utmost trust in her. Primina nods in return. Her decision made, she turns back to the city and raises her hands into the air. She doesn't know why the old gods held back so much from the new universe. Perhaps they feared the whole of their power would be too volatile and dangerous. Or perhaps they worried that not enough would return together in this place to restore their work. But Primina would not be the one to repeat their mistake. Slowly at first, and then with increasing speed, the nine pillars begin to disintegrate. Starting at their highest points, the Ethereum begins to flow upward into the heavens. Then the same begins to happen to the spires of the city, and then the buildings and skyways, and finally, the bridges and lower foundations. A million billion diamonds of ethereal light swirl around the plateau in an upward sweeping vortex. The sky alights brighter than a hundred suns, enough to blind the mortal eye were any mortal here to witness. Then slowly the light begins to fade. And when finally the last of the Ethereum disappears, Primina falls to her knees, gasping. It is done. For the following months, people across the galaxy were shocked and awed by breathtaking auroras seen at all times across their worlds. During this time, every planet, moon, and star in the galaxy became surrounded by cascading iridescent lights. None could explain the reason for the seemingly spontaneous phenomena but many deemed it a glorious omen marking the end of the war and the dawning of a new age. Others regarded it as an inauspicious harbinger of dark times to come. As the years passed and the mysterious auroras faded, it would become known as the Ethereum Cataract, and it would single-handedly usher in a new age of space exploration and technological advancement. The first true galactic Ethereum rush in over 80,000 years. A new class of spacefarer would be born in the crucible of this event. Star seekers, wayfarers who would come to spend their lives trekking across the endless stars in pursuit of fame and fortune. Some would champion them as paragons, braving danger in search of new worlds and resources. Others would come to malign them as not but treasure hunting outlaws and aether pirates. But whether heroes or villains, these brave, free spirited souls would pursue their dreams along starways most dared not travel. And in doing so, some would find their fortune. In an enormous and luxuriously decorated hexagonal room, two individuals sit at a black lacquered table. The table, 
long and ornate, is designed to seat a great many people, but there are only six chairs placed for seating. Each chair is crafted from exotic wood, fine velvet, and gilded thread. The two individuals occupy two such chairs, directly next to each other, but poignantly ignoring the other's existence. The two look nothing alike despite being brothers. One is of a short and slight stature. His skin is the color and sheen of obsidian, as is his hair and eyes. He wears a white three-piece suit with a red five-pointed star stitched into the pocket. The other is hulking and monstrous at first glance. At least seven feet tall, skin the color of crimson, massive curved horns on his brow, and a lipless mouth bearing razor-sharp teeth. But this devil wears clothes as refined as his smaller brother. Fine purple and lace adorn him, and if they are somewhat gouty and garish, he has failed to notice. The silence between the two is tense and is carried for over an hour, but the smaller of the two men breaks it. How long are you going to hold this grudge, Satoros? You know if I hadn't maneuvered against you and loose that girl back into the galaxy, we would all be dead right now. I will hold it as long as I wish, Zaysabane. You deliberately entered into my realm and undermined our agreed-to contract. While in my realm you are to serve me and mine purpose as I am to do in yours. Brother, you know I hold our agreement binding. I do and ever have served your purpose faithfully. The pure bloods may make an art out of double crossings and technicalities, and we have both learned much from them. But the reason you and I continue to best them time after time is the candor of our relationship and the loyalty therein. <laughs> loyalty? What do you know of loyalty? I saved your life and father agrees. Well, both of you can! There is a sudden burst of fire and shadow on the opposite side of the table from the brothers. Emerging from the minor inferno steps a twelve-foot-tall, hulking devil with two long black horns and wings of fire and shadows. Adorned in sleeveless robes of red and gold, his muscular arms bear what appear to be fresh wounds. His face is devilishly handsome and framed with long dark hair. His eyes are red, and he has the feet and legs of a hooved beast. Both of us can what, Zatoros? Both brothers bound to their feet and kneel, simultaneously intoning, Father. Father, I... Nothing. I grow weary of your foolishness, my son. Forgive your brother and be done with it or be gone from this place. The hour is critical, and I will not suffer your bickering now. Satoros sighs heavily, and then glowering turns to his brother. You are... forgiven. Good. Now that that is out of the way, prepare yourself. So they are coming. Of course they are coming. I have called them. Do not make me regret allowing your presence here today. Yes, father. The three stand in solemn silence for a few moments before a chill wind begins to fill the room. They come. Ice begins to coat the walls as on one side of the room a dark vertical slit in reality opens 15 feet tall and 5 feet wide. Stepping through is a fiend with a feminine form, dressed in a black leather bodice hemmed in furs and eyes, hair, and skin as white as snow. 
Two short and piercingly sharp blue horns crest her brow. Behind her trails a long and thin segmented tail, ending in a vicious stinger. Her legs are that of an insect, and her hands are long, spindly, and clawed. Before the portal behind her fully closes, another portal opens on one of the unoccupied sides of the room. This one exudes noxious fumes of deadly poison and pollution. Stepping through is a figure clad in black plate armor bordered in dark green. The chair on this side actually begins to melt as this being emerges, and all tabards and banners on the wall begin to disintegrate. The entity is as hulking and massive as Ramazal. It has a faceless head of mottled gray and green skin, save for two bulbous ovoid eyes. And then a third portal opens from the remaining unoccupied side of the room. An empty void lies beyond, and all before the portal feel a deep pulling towards it. The chair on this side is sucked away immediately, and the long table begins to slowly slide across the stone floor with a horrid screech. Stepping through is a black-robed entity, slight of build and stature. A white mask hides its face, but every few seconds a vile spider crawls across it, or worm falls from one of its orifices. Its outstretched arms reveal hands of skeletal bone and carrion bugs fester where it steps. My fellow princes of the Void Harrow, I bid you welcome. I will not bandy about with words of false niceties, nor waste any of our time here with gratuitous ceremony. The God Emperor is dead. The Nova Kings now number only two, both of whom now hide licking their wounds. The Nameless One is bound once again, and tighter than in any of our living memory. The nations are weakened from galactic-wide war, and the Harrow has gone nearly silent in activity. Never before has Soul Transport operated at nearly 100% efficiency. I see before us an opportunity, and I bid thee to join me in its reaping. Hey everybody, welcome to Super Talk Saga, the show where I'm no longer a goddamn dungeon master, but I'm joined, as always, by... Josh Freeland, who plays Sebastian Crenshaw, half-orc paladin. Uh, I am your special guest, Jake. I played Persephone Gold Petal, the Furbolg Druid. Uh, I'm Brian, and I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about, because we don't play any of those characters anymore. <laughs> it's He's over. Right. He's done. Played. Right. That was yes. it. Oh, I played, uh, I played Carter Huttenberg and... Uh, Echo, a.k.a. Arcadion Gallanther. And we are joined today by a legendary listener. Mm. Uh, Cow, it's me. The, Sorry. The, the wiki curator, <laughs> if you will. The wiki curator yes, of yes. the show. Lore master. That Lore knows, master. Someone that mm-hmm, knows the show mm-hmm. and maybe even us better than we know ourselves. It's so true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Mariko has come on the show, uh, thankfully, to help us moderate this entire question bit. So she's going to be asking us questions. That's right. I got no more responsibility to the point I've I got two alcoholic beverages on me. Demonetized. Oh, what are you going to do? Demonetize this YouTube? It's over. Yeah. What are you going to do? You doing this? What are you going to do? Demonetize? <laughs> I'd pop the second one, but at first I need to finish the first one. Okay. Jesus. So today we're answering questions. We, we finished the campaign. Um, and you guys have been wonderful enough to send us in your, your questions, your comments, and we're going to answer them here today. Oh, real quick, just in case that wasn't enough for anybody, mm-hmm. do not start listening to this podcast here. No, this would be the worst episode. This you is the start spoiler on. episode of all time. There are no holds barred. All things are legal. 
to be fair, if they've made it to this part, they've already spoiled the entire epilogue. Fair. Mm, I mean, yeah. <laughs> true, true. Okay, so um, I feel like, oh, yeah, one last thing before we get into it. Um, the Kickstarter for this setting is still live now. As of the recording this, we've crossed $15,000. We're 75% of the way there to get this book made. So if you're interested in the project, go ahead and check out drakenstar.com. It is the setting of SuperQuest Saga brought to life, and uh, we're, we're very happy to be working on it. We're very, very much hoping to, to cross not only the the campaign like threshold that's needed to get the book made, but also some of these stretch goals, but we can only do that with your help. So if you're interested, go ahead and check it out. Yeah, it looks like we're going to make it. That's D-R-A-K-E-N star.com, drakenstar.com. Go ahead and check that out. And that is it for the plugs. All right, Marco, <laughs> the floor is yours. You are now the DM. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. No pressure. No pressure. Apologies in advance. All right. Uh, so we'll just go ahead and jump right in. We got okay. a lot of questions, and uh, they're very exciting. So the first one we have is from Itty Bitty Bean in the Discord, which I also help moderate. Shout out to the other yeah. mods. Y'all are great. Hey, mm-hmm. go join hey. the Discord. Yeah. And there's a moderator here to hear me say that. Watch out for all of the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll go ahead and just start with what part of the campaign will you miss the most? Ooh. Who wants to go first on Don't this one? Don't say your mom's house. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Jesus. Um, poison in my brain. Man, Should we a, go that's, in that's like uh, in our intro order? Yeah. So me first, me, then Freeland, then okay. What part yeah. will I miss the most? You could pass and think about it if somebody else I gotta is ready. Pass. I got to pass because <laughs> yeah. I got to think about it. This That'll be tough the rules. for me. If that's you a pa- big You can question. pass and we'll come back to you. All right. We all yes. get one pass. Yeah. I've used one. I think I think for me it's like it was it's just a I mean it's Will's homebrewed world I didn't know what the heck was going to happen next episode you know it was every every week was something unique and different so it kept me on my toes um, I I just love how the the world unfolded in front of all the players and like on the journey that we went on so just just the whole the whole Super Quest saga setup it just it's just amazing you know so yeah that's what I miss the most learning this world thank you man. Yes, that is fair. I, uh, I'll i echo you a little bit, uh, Freeland, because, yeah, the world building, uh, you know, starting in the starting in the past and then getting blasted yeah. into the future was uh, such a dope concept. Uh, <laughs> and then having cool, uh, like not the typical, you know, fantasy experience, like, you know, we're like we're playing D&D, but we're playing D&D in space. Uh, <laughs> and that was cool, like just it being not a typical uh D D game. Uh and then also uh just playing with my boys. Like not sure that did. the new stuff that uh we're gonna be doing isn't exciting and uh you know that Yeah, I won't we, we be will get to what happens that. next. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, Jake. No, but, no, uh, but, you're I, good. but I hear you. Yeah, like I'm gonna miss seeing Freeland all the time. <laughs> like, not yeah, we're splitting game. up guys. <laughs> I know. Ah. We're gonna see each other. Don't again. split the group. Well, don't split the party, man. I'm already gonna. I'm Spoilers. already missing Freeland, and I'm still gonna see him for games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was me. Sorry. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Uh, ship to ship combat. Oh yeah, that's true. That'll be in the book. Yeah, uh, that was a lot book. of fun. It was cool. uh, a very cool thing uh, that you mm. know. And being the pilot character, I like mm. leaned in to mm. that aspect, um, and I 
hyped myself up for it and then like truly was excited because it was a lot of fun to have the mechanics be what they were i thought our ship was cool i got really attached to the ship and then especially more when i found out how really attached the ship was to me Um, (laughs) so yeah Uh, oh i'm gonna cut this one right off at the pass for the people in the discord that said that watt saved me fuck you guys I mean, no, he did not. You were, you would have been fine. He just took that moment to one up you. Uh, not, not fuck you guys. Like you guys are cool, and that was funny. But like, I, 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 I uh, yeah, like I, no malice toward you. I just, uh, you know, you know what you were doing when you said that. <laughs> I, I just loved all these characters too. Like just uh-huh. every single character we had. The M, between the NPCs, the player characters. I mean, just uh, across the board, just amazing characters. And it's like. It's like it's bittersweet. It's like exciting to to finish this campaign, but it's like we lose these characters now. It's like, yeah, on to the next. You know, it's like we we've been attached to these characters and NPCs for almost three years. So yeah, mm-hmm. time to shelf them. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. No remorse. No remorse for Brian. <laughs> I know. Brian. No, I like I, I, these guys. My I was super upset. Our last two games, he I was, was like, this is it. These are my last couple times with this character, and like mm-hmm. I probably won't pick it back up, and it won't feel the same. If I do, so true. you know, I I already got it out of my system, but here here we are. Uh, also, like we're doing the next stuff already, so it's it's like <laughs> that you does can't linger. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I think for me, um, kind of tying into what what you guys were saying about like the world was exciting to discover and explore, and it wasn't a traditional D and D setting and all that. I got a similar experience every time an interlude came up because interlude. The cool thing about interludes was every time we had an interlude the the setting like the scope of it expanded by like tenfold and that's because every interlude i sat down with each of you guys individually and we hashed out like okay what are we going to do for your character where where do you want your character to go and this introduced new npcs introduced new concepts the galactic spirit uh mainly came to light in the first interlude that was when it really got fleshed out and i mean it became one of the most defining factors of the whole show so just collaborating with each of you guys made the world a thousand times richer. And the eight interludes are probably my eight favorite episodes in a lot of ways because of that. So I, I will miss the interludes. Awesome. I like the collaboration. Agreed. Yeah. Real, uh, we, we kind of like use the format for the adventure zone. Yeah, we really it's a, did. And it's, yeah. it was super awesome. I love, I love what they did with their interludes. They, mm-hmm. ours felt like, our own mm-hmm. in that in that way though like you know it yeah. brought all that same impact so i definitely agree um Monica, what was your favorite part uh what, <laughs> what, what will you what miss parts of the campaign yeah. are you gonna miss um oh that's i was not prepared to answer questions <laughs> i'm curious <laughs> to, to be know, fair i didn't ask her to but if, you, if you're not if you don't want to answer you don't have to um no i mean i think for me and my husband we really enjoyed sitting down on the Tuesday premieres and watching the premieres and being in the chat with everybody. It was a really great communal experience. And then in the discord also just the kind of community that's grown around the show. Um, every, all the fans are really great. So it's, it's, that's kind of um, what I'll miss is this collaboration or this collection of, of fan base. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I agree. Do, I do like first and foremost appreciate all the people that made this show possible, and it's the listeners. So. Except for the ones that said what saved him. No, even them. <laughs> even, even them. I love you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jeez. 
this question isn't on the list, but uh, I'm going to add it because it's kind of uh, relevant. Is this cool. is this the first campaign that you all have finished? Yes. Oh, Ooh, yeah, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. I've DM'd many campaigns. I've only finished one. It was this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, all of us, one. we've never finished a campaign, right? Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So. I mean, if we want to count FBATs as like where we stopped mm. is where we finished. Mm. I mean, we didn't intend for it to end there, but we ended it and never got back to it. And that was like a good stopping place. Mm-hmm. I think like part of why we didn't pick it back up was because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was like there was less drive now that so much stuff had happened, but like I, if we want to count that one, I, I kind of almost don't. So right. this is yeah. like the first real like start to finish thing. Yeah. I think hundred percent. Yep. Um, yep. For people that don't know what FBATS is, you're going to yeah. hear it soon. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> will be uh, populating the feed for Super Quest Saga. It's going to sit in the feed while we work on the next thing. <laughs> and I think you guys are going to have a good time with it. It's yeah. extremely entertaining and very funny. Flashman and Surgeon, <laughs> Superhero Campaign, Jake's on it, and our our yes. friends, our good friend Steve. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing. It's my absolute favorite. Number one fan, <laughs> official official number one fan. It's very good. It is, it's, it is a very good show. It's um, very I, official, also. Yeah, Monaco, yeah. you are the number one fan. <laughs> I know. All our fan art is from you and Marcos. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Okay, back to Super Quest Saga. Are there any unresolved threads or burning questions that you would like addressed? This is also from Itty Bitty Bean on the Discord. <clears throat> so, as a DM, no. <laughs> I, I feel like we tied up all the threads nicely but it's not really for me to say it's for the characters how do you guys feel about mm. it I'm trying to think I think most of the, the big burning questions were resolved I'm trying to think there's any like smaller things that I wonder I mean I, I, of course you, you wonder like some of the you know smaller NPCs the ones that didn't have much airtime, what ended up happening to them you know but mm-hmm. the the main stuff I think the most part has been resolved in my mind. Yeah, yeah. At the, I mean, at the time of the the questions being asked, they haven't seen the epilogue, so I think True. it'll make a lot of. Well, if you're seeing this, you've already seen it, and I think it probably makes a lot of sense that there were maybe a few, and we. Yeah. I feel like we tied them up pretty well. Yeah, yeah, each other on the call don't necessarily know what each other's epilogues were. That's true. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so just keep that in mind as we're answering these questions that we haven't heard it in the capacity that you guys just did. That's true. Uh, I I think any any unresolved threads I might be having or burning questions I might be having will I have confidence will be addressed in <laughs> in these fools backstory or these fools epilogues because uh, a lot of the stuff I was wondering, uh, you know, I was able to to tie in a nice nice bow with uh, with writing with Will. So I think um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear their epilogues and kind of get uh, a full. Uh, like closure on the uh, on the campaign. I'm excited. Well, why don't you give me like a general like? I was wondering about this. Yeah, what, don't what don't get specific, yeah. and I'll just give you uh, we'll, can give you a yes or no. Yeah, if um, they got answered in the epilogue. Dude, I don't even know to be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want to know what I, happens with the characters. Yeah, I just much, w- yeah. I just want to know the ending. You know, like that's really that's all true. it is. You only know your own. You don't know these two. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I wanted the the hell stuff to happen a little more, and it, it does in the epilogue. I got so. you covered. Yeah, Ooh, <laughs> that's all I was missing okay. from the finale. I was like, "But what happened to hell? We yeah. never got attacked by Satan." <laughs> yes, I got you covered. So I wanted to I wanted to know what was up with that for sure, but okay. it, it happened. Okay. So we're good. Yeah, sick. 
I was waiting for Satan to show up. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm be honest. Okay, so just to talk about that part, I was like, "Fuck, where do I put Satan?" <laughs> like, I just, I don't know where to put him. I just don't got time or room for him. No, but I, I think it was like halfway through the Arvander arc that I figured out what I was gonna do with it, and I knew it was gonna be an epilogue thing, and I knew, I, ha- I had to do something special with it in order for it to be satisfactory, and I think we achieved that. I guess we'll find out. Interesting. Cool. Okay. 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 that or are we ready to move on i think we're ready to move on yeah let's hit, yeah. hit, hit us with that next saucy quest all <laughs> right the next beer. one next ones are uh kind of character related we have a couple that are kind of similar but i will ask them both and we'll see how much overlap there is so this one is from q milo also on the discord so how have your characters changed from the beginning to the finale mm. do you all feel like <laughs> the characters have grown in positive ways or maybe they still have much to reckon with. Mm. You guys go ahead and then I I'll give my DM take on U3 plus Prim. Freeland. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think the character is completely different than how he started, you know? And, and the thing is like, I, I didn't put too much backstory into the character. I had the basic concepts of the character just because Will told us a heads up, like, you guys don't, don't do too much because it's going to get crazy here in a couple episodes in, you know? So I had the basics laid out for my character. Um, I didn't know where the character was going to go, and it seems like every 10 or 15 episodes, it just, things were kept on revolving and changing. So it was like I was constantly like, I don't know where I'm going to end up. It's like... Uh, I, the character is completely different than how I originally envisioned him, but I loved how he turned out. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's that's how I, I see Sebastian is, yeah, completely different from be, from beginning to end. I think uh, I think Sebastian maybe changed the most out of everybody. bro. You went on a roller coaster. Like, Let's yeah, you went on a roller like, coaster. Even yeah. changing from like being a paladin, and then like you lost your god, and then you were a warlock, and then you were, and then oh, yeah. you were, and then you Non-stop. were a god again. Like I was like, oh man, like so confused. I was yeah, thinking about like, that on my car ride home from work, and we just did a dungeon cast episode with Oathbreaker. Yeah, listen mm-hmm. to I was like, excellent episode. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah I was like, man, Sebastian really is didn't fucking know what the fuck he wanted oh, for he a didn't. long time. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was crazy. You're the reason I had the Satan problem. Yeah, you're the reason <laughs> we had to take a deal with Satan. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It is true. That was fun. I loved all those scenes <clears throat> uh, in hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, you losing an arm was actually one of the lesser, like, twists of your character which when it happened it was actually pretty gasp worthy oh well yeah for sure without him we couldn't have had a little sebastian little sebastian oh little sebastian Sebastian. one one buff arm little strong hand they called him that's what the other kids called him what about you percy how do you feel about your character changing um you know i don't i don't feel like she was like that different from when i began maybe um maybe in responsibilities like Mm -hmm. it changed because you know she kind of took responsibility uh and wanted to fix uh everything that was happening but i feel like that was just kind of always her thing from the beginning um so yeah i don't i don't know if she changed too much uh definitely grew in a positive way like as in 
you know, f- taking that responsibility and wanting to do well mm. and do good uh, in the name of the universe. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how much she changed. I, she was pretty constant, I think, <laughs> throughout throughout everything. Just trying to be, you know, the uh, just trying to be the heart of the team uh, if yeah. she could, you know. I think um, I think Percy did have a, a a fundamental change. I just think it's it's a little more subtle. Uh, although I do agree with you, she's definitely was like the rock of the group oh, and probably changed the least. So uh, from my side, when it came to Percy trying to figure out like what her pathos was, I think we where we ended up settling, whether we talked about it or not, is her like theme was dealing with the idea of loss and mm. her not being able, not wanting to deal with that ideal. And of course, her coming from a place where like she was the thing that was abandoned, quote unquote, and like she had nothing to lose coming into the story. By the end, you had everything to lose and it was all on the line. Mm-hmm. And then I think with your epilogue, we kind of get into your I'm trying not to do this with <laughs> with too much spoilers for people who haven't heard it yet. But we dealt a little bit with like your your idea of what permanence and reality even is. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if we you like made a full arc with it, but I do feel like that was probably the 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 subtle but fundamental change in Percy from beginning to end. Definitely. That's just my take. No, I I agree, I hundred percent agree. And it's so funny that like that wasn't uh, that wasn't like what I it wasn't intentional. Yeah, like it just kind of what ended up happening. Like definitely, mm-hmm. I wanted the uh, you know the the abandonment in there, and I did want uh, that to drive certain behaviors in her uh, because it's you know something we can all relate to like myself included mm-hmm. so it's just it was it was nice that you recognized that and we were able to kind of foster that into uh, her overall uh, storyline definitely i i'm i was so happy with her epilogue yeah i'm, um, I'm very pleased with it too <clears throat> yeah no no spoilers <laughs> <laughs> uh i all i have to say is that i think person i started playing this campaign as is a completely different person from the person i ended okay (laughs) you're a a rap bastard i knew you're gonna i knew you were gonna fucking do it Uh, yeah if anyone was gonna know it was a crazy character (laughs) yeah it was was weird it was wild yeah yeah my skin tone changed and everything (laughs) hair it's all different your alignments, um, just your yeah, general disposition. It, you know? Yeah, <laughs> general disposition. Uh, I mean, it's funny. Like we built Carter to, uh, like succeed as a spy and a villain. Yeah, and I think we did well yeah. there. Um, yeah. I think if we had to do it again, we'd be a little less subtle about it all. You know, I don't feel audience. like it was subtle. I thought we were. I don't like, feel right like it was pretty subtle. Right yeah. You know, uh, but I think I learned with like stories like this that like we weren't necessarily subtle. But we never said it. We were never ever as a group on the side where we didn't know that was the case. Yeah. So that's like true. hammering it home in like an obvious way was probably something we missed. And I, I see people ask questions sometimes or, or like as, assume the best of Carter. And I, I, I understand Carter's like a fun character. Yeah. And uh, that's part it of his been, danger. It would have been. Yeah, it would have been fun. He was charming. Right. It's like would have been fun to play him the full span. And I, I was talking about this in the Discord where I feel like if I had played Carter the whole span, then he wouldn't have ended up being evil. He would have ended up having to alignment change to good or like nothing made sense. Right. So I would probably <laughs> have to do a Freeland and swap my patron. 
Oh, don't give me two Satans. I can't do it. Yeah. Well, no. I would have. I would have dropped. I would have dropped the. No. No. Azathoth, no, totally. like the the evil, like mm-hmm. overarching villain of the campaign for, like a Kieran or something. You yeah, know. Yeah. Like a like a. Well, God, I mean, or Bright I, Song and Lightwind or whatever the fuck. And I think you you said how much of a toll role playing as Carter kind of took on you after a while. Right. You know, I was trying to be really ambitious as a player mm-hmm. and like step into the role like an actor yeah, would yeah. and like really think about like what an evil person would do. That's just like also has like that Bugs Bunny and mischievous sort of vibe going on. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I like thought about it a lot and I started being like a dick to people sometimes on accident. <laughs> like acting like Carter in real life. Because I took assets from my own personality and applied them to mm-hmm. Carter. So like those are things like I'm capable of, I guess, mm-hmm. but I don't choose to act that way. <laughs> you know, yeah, it totally. sucks to be like the way Carter is and to squeeze the living shit out of people's toothpaste. <laughs> um, so I was happy with where we ended as Carter. I think we, we yeah. did really good work designing, uh, designing that and like, um, you know, keep having Carter stay focused on like, I'm here to observe and to like kind of guide the situation and facilitate like data for, a higher power and then when the time is right like we'll try to do what we got to do um we didn't know how that was going to all hash out with the fight you know that was not scripted so mm. i just kind of did my best to rebuild carter in a way for that fight that would help him like mitigate all these people strong powerful characters um so i i think i was really happy with what happened with percy and carter in that last scene you know like her like kind of Crying it out, out in the that like wasteland or whatever. I thought that was kind of a fitting, mm-hmm. um, a fitting end. It was and, a very epic episode. It was yeah, an epic and then episode. we have instances of Carter like coming back into the story where I like had to kind of jump back in a little bit to be like, okay, well, how does Carter feel about this? Because he's still kind of there. Um, although when he leaves, he get he's getting like tortured. And, like, rewritten all the time and stuff, I think we hashed out. But there was still, like, Carter stuff to do, like, write for Carter and do the epilogue stuff. So, like, the Carter's last words I thought were done when Will told me that I had a last line that I maybe could flesh out. So when I was trying to figure out what Carter's, like, last actual words were going to be, I was like, I already said what I everything. Mm. There's nothing left. So, like, I get to do something fun instead. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's where that came God. from. Um, I was so caught off guard. <laughs> with Echo, it, it was good. Like, okay, I wanted like a happy kind of go lucky with the sad past, right? Like, and I think we, I think we nailed it. Um, it like helped usher in like a kind of a new feel for the campaign. Um, obviously, when you're changing up uh, a player character, it's gonna change the dynamics, right? But um, I think he had like a real nice soft opening, um, where he could like look cool, but not, you know affect the dynamics so much um i think we handled the transition like really gracefully uh as a team Mm -hmm. so like i want to kudos everybody involved that like that wasn't just hard for me it was hard for like will and you guys too to like okay we got a new guy here how are we going to make that work yeah Um, and i think it ended up happening pretty naturally which was nice yeah and it's just like okay well echo's in a position where he's like his life is doesn't viewed as his own so he's gonna try to help whoever he comes across um is where he was at when he found you guys. It's like, this is it. This is my chance to like redeem myself and become a hero. And, um, I can do like, they want the, these fucking elf bastards want these guys so bad. Like I'm going to swoop them out from underneath. Like what a better, what better thing. But then he like feels responsible. He's like, well, I saved them. And now I got to like, you know, 
this is my wagon I got to hitch to for now and like got to make my, but he's also really untrustworthy of everybody at first. Cause he doesn't actually know who you guys are. And he's been like living a CD life where he's been betrayed and stuff, but you know, in small ways. So he, he's a little bit untrustworthy, but I think it, it all went really smoothly and we ended up like helping each other. Like, uh, like you guys are the, uh, the segue into helping echo like grow as a person and open back up and be like, well, now I feel like I'm part of this. Like you guys were a family and like, you guys brought me in. I'm like a fucking house cat or something. You know, I felt <laughs> like, okay, well, well, damn that they're, these fools are kind of dope mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it helps echoes arc to open up and like reach back out to his family and like get into a position where it's like, okay, we need to have these NPCs involved. Um, but it was really fun to write for echo and to write like a, like a self-redemption arc, like a forgive, he like his arc is to forgive himself for his, like what he's done in the past. And that was really like nice and satisfying, uh, like a really good uh, change up from Carter, which was like very like, you know, the really extra worldly spooky grim stuff and kind of horrific thing. It was nice to get away from that and do something that was like started in the dark, but like had this light and the light could grow throughout. Yeah. And by the end, Echo was like, <laughs> good enough to you know get through his nasty forest scene you know like hurt but not i apologize you know defeated (laughs) yeah that could that scene could have been like horrible for echo yeah earlier in his arc it would have been yeah it would have been like dude this it this is it man like i'm i'm getting on the ship with it was nasty it was a mean low blow yeah so we we um i'm really proud of where every the whole school like my characters i feel like affected the group a lot um, and the story, they weighed on the story and like the places we went a lot and things we did. And I feel like it, without you guys there to support those things, it wouldn't have gone as well. So like at another table, I don't know if I would have brought these ideas, but I felt good about doing that here. So my growth is attributed to the team. So, but... Well Hell said, yeah. man. Definitely. <clears throat> oh, we lost her. I can't hear her. Can you guess? Oh no, she's gone. <laughs> oh, you're back. oh no, I'm sorry. Welcome um, home. Yeah, thank you, uh, William. Did you have anything for Primina? Yeah, oh, yeah. sure. Um, absolutely, actually. Yeah, Primina is. Um, she changed drastically. If you've heard the epilogue, even more so than uh, where she was at by the end of the finale. Um. So Primina is based off a character from an anime called Outlaw Star, who I I enjoy that anime a lot, and I enjoy that character a lot. Um, but that character falls into the trope of like the damsel in distress uh, a little too much. So that's why I started Prim, but I also wanted Prim to kind of like become more confident, become more powerful, like take hold of the reins of her own fate, and um, grow stronger through her bonds with you guys. And I think she did that. And I think without you guys, like there's no way like she was she was essentially an orphan by herself in time displaced like she had no chance but you guys gave her a chance and uh yeah by the end she's making big decisions and taking a lot of responsibility and it's her choice and um i think she's an awesome character and i think she she grew a lot oh yeah um yeah, we're going to go a little bit out of order here because it came up with your character arc discussion. But um, Josh, was the uh, Oathbreaker route planned? 
or was that just something spur of the moment that you came up with? Kind of, kind of spur of the moment. So like kind of going back to the last question, you know, how Sebastian changed from the beginning to end when he got thrusted into the future, I mean, he, he lost the only thing he really held on to was his religious beliefs because he lost his family and all that stuff. So he was constantly searching for his place in this new world, this new universe. And, um, kind of like played around with some ideas didn't have any idea that I'd go the Oathbreaker route but then I came to a point where after Prim was taken to hell I was like hey how would Sebastian handle this I think he would realize like hey I'm not strong enough to protect her or my friends I maybe I can try to take some of this power from hell maybe I can do a deal to gain this power so my original thought was just multi-class into Hexblade <clears throat> then uh, <laughs> Will kind of came up with the idea. like, let's do it as an Oathbreaker. I was like, oh, yeah, let's, let's go for it. You know, let's, let's go full on. Like, I'm breaking my oath, going a whole, like, just offshoot from where I was going. Because I was kind of, Oath of Conquest, I was like, hey, I'm trying to gain power, trying to, you know, move up the ladder. So, hey, it kind of makes sense that I'm trying to gain power from hell, become a Hexblade. But also breaking off a Dominion makes sense because I'm not fully invested in them anymore. So, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't always planned that way. It just kind of organically moved to that direction where it became an oathbreaker. That's yeah, a very um, shocking you, point <laughs> as a listener. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think well, for everybody. Dude, yes. when, when I heard what the plan was, I was like, what the fuck? This is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. and like, and I, I had no idea how, when it was going to happen either. Will's yeah. like, oh yeah, you'll have an opportunity to, to make a deal. Yeah. So originally, like, when Prim was taken, I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, contact the person myself. This is going to be my chance to make this deal. It ended up not being that point. It was later on <laughs> that it came about. So I, I had no idea when it was going to happen. I just knew I was going to have my opportunity, but I had no idea until that very moment that I'm like, oh, crap. I got, this, is, this is the time to make my deal. You know, it's time to step up and say something. And, yeah. It was very well-timed, and it informed the, the oath that you end up taking at the end of the story, I think. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, nah, fuck this. I'm going to go get my homie back. Does yeah. anybody else feel like there's a Twilight parallel going on? Will, did you accidentally write a Twilight parallel with Primina? <laughs> did and I? Guys? But tell me more. What have I done? <laughs> They're like, she smells good. I don't know. Um, That was <laughs> definitely not intentional. Blood. But She's but got that, good blood. She's got, got good blood. It blood. sings. Yeah, the idea was like he could, he could smell like the, the energy. She was like an exotic bride. Sateros is a gross dude. I'm just going to say well, that. that's Sateros how they treat what's-her-face in Twilight. They're like, Gee, I don't know, something about her. Bella Swan. Yeah, I think he was he was drawn <laughs> to her power. He was drawn to her uniqueness, which is probably what he smelled. She's so. not like other girls. Smells. Sorry. Ben, for Brian, since we were talking about um, Echo and Carter, uh, this question is from Paladin of the Lost Days from YouTube. And I know them. Is- Mm-hmm. Who was more fun to play, Echo or Carter? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> oh, it's not easy no? at all. The <laughs> okay. role play is more fun with Carter, and the mechanics are more fun with Echo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I remember you being frustrated with some of Carter's mechanics compared to Echo. Warlocks are hard in the kind of game we were playing because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you had to be so careful with those two slots because it's like, that's it, man. Like, that's probably it for the session. You know, like right. uh, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll get a couple more. Like we'll we'll squeeze in a, on a dungeon crawl episode. We'll squeeze. I'll make the party squeeze in short rest, which is how the warlocks designed. Yeah, and that's fine. It's just weird that short rests take an hour in five e. 
I wish they 10 took, minutes and 40. Yeah. I wish they did. Like, there's DMG rules where you can switch it up and make it take less time, and yeah. I like that. Um, but it, it's a different, you know, I don't know. Like, I didn't want to break the rules and try to, like, spam yeah. spells <laughs> all the time, but... Yeah, also, Man. you had to go out of your way, like, to in-character ask for essentially a short rest, and it kind of breaks the fourth wall, and you shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, because it's bad if I don't. It's not only is it, like, well, I'm just Eldritch Blasting. That's boring for the podcast. Like, mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> want to just do that. So I was trying to be really clever with when I use the spells, because, like, man, it's easy to miss a mm. spell. You know, it's just as easy as a melee attack, and like it's easier actually in some ways. Fucking, are you serious? Like, I get two of these, and like, in a whole episode, and I do one, and it misses, and like, I didn't do anything this episode. Like, I know I'm just supposed to be here watching uh, secretly, you know, as as Carter, um, and I knew that as the player the whole time, so it really didn't matter what I did, as long as I didn't let anybody die because. We need to figure out what the fuck is going on with these dudes, right? Or whatever the plan was. Like, that that was kind of part of it. And just, like, I remember hitting a banishment spell on one of the um, the exploding bodies of the... Um, freelancers. Of the freelancers. And I was so stoked that it didn't, you know, that, like, oh, I have a spell slot. I'm going to make that body vanish and, like, stop the thing from blowing up. And then I thought it was even cooler that I was like... I'm out of spell slots. There's another body. You know, like I can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, like we gotta go. That. It was like that's so funny. That's how that's what was frustrating about playing a warlock in the game like this. Mm. Um in a more dungeon crawly, lots of short rests, maybe better. Um, yeah. but it's it was all about the invocations, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and being really careful with Carter's build was like part of playing Carter. Um that's why in the uh we did like a sleeper agent thing on the betrayal episode. Uh, where I changed all of Carter's spells and invocations for that fight to match the fight. It's like, I'm not prepared for this, but if I can use my, like, godly, the godly influence to, like, make me adapt so I could be good for the fight. Like, I didn't have the slow spell. That was, like, an invocation I took, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my entire battle plan was was based off, like, I knew what my moves were going to be. I knew what, what my my first three or four moves were going to be. And if they didn't go well, I knew I was going to try to run. So I already had everything planned out. Um, and I thought that aided, like, metagaming really hard aided to what the character knew. So it kind of yeah. it kind of blended together and mm-hmm. ended up kind of not being metagamey. So, yeah, I think I think in the long run, though, I had more fun playing Echo, like, all together. It was, uh, he was, like, lighthearted and fun, and I didn't have to be an asshole or, like, I didn't have to be so snappy with the wit. Like mm. all the time, I could kind of turn it on and off as I saw fit. Um, with Carter, there was a lot of pressure to be snappy all the time. I think I might have leaned into that a little too hard. No, I think you nah. did a good job. But um, I think it was good. Perfect. Yeah, and and Echo, like I had a really great time with all of Echo's uh, post episode scenes and stuff. Like his interlude stuff was was more fun than Carter's. Um, but uh, you know, that's not to say like I I think Carter was a more interesting character at the end than Echo mm. was, sort of, in, like, different ways. It, it really is a trade-off. I think if I had to pick one, though, I'd pick Echo to play with because the fucking doing all the Blade Song shit was so fucking cool. Like, the imagery <laughs> I get from all the combats and, like, the way he moves and does stuff is, like, so me that I just I wouldn't. Yeah, like, combat with Echo is so much more fun. <clears throat> like, more D&D feeling. So, yeah, that's my answer. 
Um, okay, so from the beginning to the middle to the end of the campaign, what did you expect your character's end game to be versus how it ultimately turned out? And this question is from Kevin S on Discord. Mm. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> that is a seriously a tough question because, I mean, yeah, everything was so up in the air for my character and just for the the campaign itself. There was so much unknown from week to week, really. Yeah, I will. I will say in your guys' defense, like one of the things I planned for the show, I took a I took a cue from a show called The Good Place which is a show nothing like this show. But the main thing I took from mm -hmm. that show mm -hmm. is that that show is extremely plot heavy. Like the plot moves so fast, the characters can't keep up with it. And I love it. I think it's brilliant. Um, not, not all stories should be like that, but it, it was a great device. But that is the device I tried to use with this. I tried to keep you guys reacting to the plot. So from week to week, you guys just didn't know what was coming. I can't imagine what it would have been like trying to think about an end game. For reals, though. Yeah, that, uh, as far as what, what did I expect it to be? Uh, like you said, Will, like you did a very good job because we were just reacting. Like that's yeah. all it was for basically almost every, there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't really uh, a situation I, that comes to mind where we weren't reacting <laughs> to something happening. Uh, so, but I will say that my epilogue does, uh, you know, like we kind of got like our wish granted, like Will was pretty much like, what do you want to happen for your character? Let's make this shit go down. And so, uh, yeah, I will say it, it pretty much met my expectations, uh, and, ex and exceeded them. Uh, and like I said, love, love the epilogue stoked, uh, for you all to hear it. So I think, um, it came out just like how I wanted it to be, uh, but better. So oh, thank you, man. Yeah, <laughs> they did already hear it. They yeah, did. They've already heard it. Yeah, you guys know. Uh, the, yeah, these two haven't heard it. Yeah, that's not, true. Not in its official capacity, but I will um, before anyone else. Yes. That's true. <laughs> so I have to make it. It's true. It's, true. it's very true. Yeah. Um. So what did I? Okay, so like, my experience with this game is so. Like I put all my faith in Will because I knew he wasn't going to disappoint. Um, yeah, actually, let me stop you there because yeah, a big part of this whole show is like you guys have trusted me so much, and I appreciate it because like I don't think a lot of players can can hand that much trust to their dungeon master, and I tried to treat your guys' trust with a certain type of um, sacredness, if you will. Just mm -hmm. take care of it. I'm going to take care of you. We're going to make it through this. But sorry, yeah. go ahead. I knew that we were all in this for the story and that like in giving that trust to Will that like to let him do his stuff and, and to like let his stuff bounce off of our stuff. Like we've been saying uh, where, you know, we're, uh, we as players are very responsible for the things in the world and Will is building with those, those pieces. Right. And I think that's a good move as a dungeon master and, and that approach let me have the, the confidence in him that I had. I know you were super duper nervous about sticking the landing, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't think there was anything to worry. I, I remember you kind of coming to the realization that you were going to stick the landing. Um, Cause you were telling me that you were like talking to Christina and stuff. 
yeah, about like yeah. what that was going to be and look mm-hmm. like. And you're like, I think we're going to be okay. I'm like, yeah. I know we're going to be all right. Like, no matter what it's going to be, we're all going to be there together. And it's going to be, you know, yeah. story driven and cool. Right. Um, right. So when I was in the approach for the game, uh, you know, we're thinking about making the show too, right? So like, like the all the all my characters have like post stuff to help kind of liven up that that sort of aspect. Like the the journal entries from Carter were a lot of fun. They're dark and horrible, but they're fun to make, um, and they're really thematic. I'd always wanted to do a radio journal, which I think I've said before, um, and I wanted to kind of continue it with Echo, but Echoes were more like letters to home, you know, like. Um, like messages to home, I think is what the title of some of the, those clips are. Uh, and, and that was cool too. They didn't have to be so frequent either. Um, cause I think, what did I do? Like 30 Carter things. You did a like lot. That? I don't know if it was 30, but it was quite a few. It was yeah, more it was like, like at some point Carter got 20. The, a hold of the technology to do it. And we're like, okay, this is it. We're going to do it for the rest of the, the episodes until he's out. And it ended up being like, yeah, it ended up being a, quite a few of them. Um, yeah, that got challenging Exit. for me in my, you know, do the show in my free time. Uh, so that that was tough. Echo stuff stuff was tough, too, um, sometimes. But, like, it was all worth it. And I think um, I would do that stuff. And then when I'd finish it, it's like, okay, now it's time to play Echo. And then I did all of Echo's stuff, like, with an arc to spare. I wasn't sure where, how many episodes it was going to take me to flesh it all out <laughs> or if it would get done in time. Um you know, I, I'm on my own clock for Echo because I wanted it to feel natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it finished, I was just like, okay, well, like, I'm I'm in with the team till the end. So now it's time to coast. I didn't have to think much about what I had to do with Echo's story arc because now I can truly just let the wave of the of the game take me and, and truly <laughs> kind of react for the rest of it. So that was nice. Just like, let's just play some D&D and not really worry about, like, I did all the story stuff. We're good. Yeah. Like, okay. let's get through it. We'll do the epilogue, right? So now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Another um, question. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this one is from uh, Josh Freeland. Since but... we were kind of talking about it, is uh, did you approach world building and character development differently than a normal non-recorded D and D campaign? Uh, if so, how? So th- this question is for me or for Freeland? It's from Freeland for, for, for me. It's for me, for everybody. Okay. <laughs> That's a tough question. Uh, I mean, the answer is definitely yes. I did approach it differently. I think I just took it much more seriously is the main the main thing because I knew it was going to be watched. Um, Do you know how much you have in common with some of your favorite celebrities, leaders, newsmakers? I'm Evelyn, the host of Reppin, where you'll meet notable people you think you know. You'll find out who they really are and what they represent. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts. Trying to think here. And collaboration has always been a major major factor in my world building, which I that did not change for this one. As a matter of fact, I might have leaned even more heavily on it. Um, but yeah, that's that's mostly the most part is I. The continuity was the most important thing for this one. I just had to make sure the continuity made as much sense as possible because there were so many eyes on it that I knew there was a much higher chance of someone being able to pull a thread of like, hey, this doesn't make sense because in episode A, they said this, but in episode B, Mm. this happened. So 
though. That was another thing. I just, I was more meticulous about the continuity, more careful about the details, and leaned more heavily on the collaboration, I think, which I think worked out for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, from a player standpoint, I think also, uh, you know, be, you get kind of, like, I think with our previous campaign, like Super Quest Ultra, I know not a lot of people have heard it or anything like that. That was a nice, uh, like, buffer period or growing period for all of us to kind of get used to, uh, like, our stuff being recorded or our game being recorded. Um, that was a good chance for all of us to kind of... Uh, get used to it because i know when we originally started recording uh you know stage fright was still pretty real <laughs> uh nerves were still pretty high you know uh we we're all playing different characters obviously and everything like that so i think with this one uh like you said will like you we just kind of took it a little bit more seriously like uh kind of leaned into um you know the fact that it's going to be a show and it's for entertainment purposes. So like, obviously we want stuff to be cool for you guys and, uh, stuff to be good audibly for everybody. Um, so yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta approach it a little bit differently, but especially with the mindset that it's going to be like a radio play or it's going to be viewed by a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, I I've touched on it you know, a bunch of times, almost every aspect of this was, was with the sh making the show in mind. It's like the forefront, like it, it doesn't come first playing D and D always came first, yeah. but we only played D and D for like two hours. You know, the rest of the time I'm only thinking about show. Um, and you know, being excited for what happens next and like, okay, what's next game going to be like? Cause you know, the, the episodes have a rhythm of, you know, combat to role play ratios and you can kind of you can kind of tell which direction we're heading based off of what's going on and there, there's not many like mini twists like that you know we're we're doing a, a fucking tournament where we fight people <laughs> oh what the fuck are we gonna do next episode fucking fight some people yeah. hell yeah i'm stoked like <laughs> mm -hmm. it's not a big mystery about like the micro story it's the major arcs that are the big twists and like like that was that was fun like like it was a good D, &D campaign you know um i think without having to worry about show, I would have still had a kick-ass time playing this game. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I think show enriched this game, though, in a yeah. way that, like, yeah. this show, this the D&D &D game we played wouldn't exist the way it did without show. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. that was super rewarding. Um, but yeah, everything I did, you know, show was in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I need to answer my own question, too. I <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the reason I brought this question up because it's like I, I already knew. Like, I, I approach this game differently for sure. It's like, in campaigns in the past, just you know, sitting around the table. Yeah, you're you're more, I think, focused on just your character and getting through the missions and the campaigns and figuring things out. But now, like for me, I was like, I want this to. This is a co-op storytelling. You know, like Will pulled us in. He he got our advice and our thoughts on everything and wanted to build the world around our, our, uh, ideals and ideas, you know, it's like, and it's just like, I was always like, what would be cool in this story? What would Sebastian do to make the story even cooler? Not necessarily what would be the best thing for him to do to, you know, 
get past a certain puzzle or this mission or whatever, it's like, what would be kind of cinematic and like cool to happen? So sometimes I, I think I just, I lean more into the, the storytelling per se as actually like playing D and D is like, I just wanted this to be a cool story. That's how I kind of approached it differently. Um, okay. Our next question is from Rob on the discord. Hello, Rob. Um, Hi, Rob. Hey, Rob. <laughs> Rob is another mod and he's great. Thanks for everything, Rob. <laughs> um, okay. So what was the decision you were most shocked at the players or the other players making, uh, choosing to make? <laughs> oh man. I should have read the questions ahead of time. I, mean, <laughs> I got 77 episodes to think about here. Let me see here. Um, you guys have always been really good about. Oh, I I know Percy, going with what what was it? It was like episode three or two where Denethar asked you oh. if you were part of a covenant, <laughs> yeah, or a choir, yeah. and, and I was like, no. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense. You told the truth, and I don't know why it shocked me the way it did. <laughs> I think it was because I thought I gave enough context that like your answer should be yes. Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't give you enough <laughs> I mean, you I did. <laughs> you you kind of did. Uh, yeah. But, you know, also I just thought it would be, like, I think I knew what you were expecting, and so I just thought it would be funnier to... He did for the lulls. Which is To do it the opposite way also. Because it feels like something that Percy would do also. Like, uh, I did kind of want a little bit of, um, I don't know, like Faye mischief a little bit with her. No, Uh, no, you pull it off. And and naivete uh, also. So, like, yeah. Because from the get-go of us arriving to the future, we just got arrested so much fuck so many fucking times so it was already like <laughs> like so time cute. time two or three that we had guns pulled on us or like some sort of army rolled up and was like what are you guys doing here uh so uh, i think she was just kind of like i'm a fucking play along then i guess like if everybody's yeah. pissed whichever but, but answer is gonna make that, me not get arrested i will say that right now <laughs> yeah. but outside of that all the more quote-unquote shocking like decisions a lot of them were talked about beforehand, like mm. right beforehand. It wasn't like we planned these out, you know, necessarily like entire arcs ahead of time. Mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. uh, a session ahead of time, if if somebody like, for instance, I cut off Sebastian's arm. And I was like, that's pretty shocking. I should probably ask him first. And so I did. And <laughs> yeah. he was like and I, I kind of gave him I, I said that there would be some payoff and I would give him a cool robot arm and yeah. stuff if he was cool with it. <laughs> and he said he was. So I cut off his arm. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. I remember it, too. Will was like, do you want a cool robot arm? And then he put up his he put up his hands and he like kind of <laughs> mime scissors at Freeland for a while. And Freeland was like, are you what are you doing? <laughs> but and yeah, so, so that's actually a difficult question to me. But yeah, the one that I, re- I remember actually shocked me was when in episode two. When Percy, and it probably shocked me because I didn't know Percy as well then because she was brand new to me. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. True. Oh man. Uh, I think uh, like obviously the the most obvious one is like the Carter betrayal, uh, but we out off camera like we kind of knew it was coming. Like Brian did forewarn us, uh, but that was still wild as hell. Like what happened yeah. with Vicky was wild as hell like you know there was i had i had had victoria's death plan from episode zero yeah like there was stuff that happened that like i (laughs) that i wanted so hard to prevent but like i 
there wasn't any way for us to prevent it. It just kind of happened. That was by design, man, dude. I, yes. My main thought when it came to Victoria's death was, how do I stop Percy from stopping this? Yes. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm was glad. the same exact fucking thing as the end, as the Carter reuni- reunite at the end. Yeah. It's like, how do we stop Percy from trying to kill this dude immediately? Yeah, I was like, he needs to get his final line in. How do we stop Percy? <laughs> yeah. Just just have me not be there. <laughs> that's the only right? way. <laughs> yeah, that's what we can't. That's why the, that was another reason the line came out the way it did. It was like, oh, I can get in one word. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, 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 uh, man, I was gonna step in and say something about something, but it it got away from me because it it seemed important. Oh, in terms of this show being scripted in like light ways mm. like that, that's probably the most we did. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, like we yeah. talk, we try to communicate, and the way it broke down with the Carter th- betrayal thing is like. We, we knew from the get-go, right, at the very beginning, I said, Carter's evil, and one day he's going to try to, like, fucking kill you all or something like that or whatever. So, like, that's who I'm bringing to the table. Me and Will think it's a cool idea. It's going to inform a lot of things about the world. Like, is that cool? And we were like, yeah, that's cool. And when it started getting closer, I, we started talking about it. I was like, okay, well, like, it's something's probably going to pop off with Carter. I can't tell you when because we don't know exactly. And that was pretty much the extent of it i think yeah that was that was yeah. pretty much the extent of it so i don't want to like cheat you know we're still role playing and like improving mm-hmm. um, yeah you know to like as much of a degree as like yeah even even the interludes except for, with the exception of just a couple uh the epilogue is far far more scripted than a normal show and particularly i remember with percy uh, specifically there was there was one interlude where i think you and me kind of went back and forth but mm. and we had a script that we agreed on yeah. And that was it. But not much. No. Um, uh, did we kind of get away from the heart of the question there? <laughs> what was the question? It was like, oh, we can't hear you. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. Oh, yeah. we can. You're there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the question was, uh, what decision were you most shocked right. at someone choosing to make? Oh, yeah. Um, did Freeland go? Did we skip Freeland? Uh, no, no, I haven't gone yet. I was say I was gonna kind of go off of what Jake said. I mean, like I, the the Vicky thing definitely for sure was uh, shocking. I, I mean, it's yeah. I don't know if anything like really stands out. Like it was like it seemed like it was a constant like barrage of craziness that was thrown our way and things happening. So sure. Um, yeah. And the decision-wise, I don't know. I think my decisions were shocking for myself. Really, <laughs> it's like some of the things I was coming up with. I'm like, should I be doing this? It's like, I was like, yeah, let's go for it. You know, it's like, hey, you know, yeah. this, this guy's trying to find his way in the world and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is just, yeah, let's let's go for it. You know, it's like, but um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that's what I got. I I know that there. I I've been thinking about it the whole time, and I know that there were parts of the campaign where, like, okay. I think uh, probably out of everybody, Will has probably talked to me the most behind the scenes yes. because post is like, you yeah. know, that's part of what we're going to be doing. I have to know certain things so I can get ready for them. Um, and then with the whole Carter thing, you know, we're constantly talking about like. It was a full collaboration. Yeah. yeah. We, we were, you know, there's even a co-DM episode. Yeah. Two, so, like, right? Two. Right. Um, and, and so, like, I know there were parts of this campaign, though, where, where Will did a really good job of not spoiling something for me, and he fucking slaps me, you know, in-game in <laughs> with it. I'm like, holy shit, what? And 
I'm pretty sure I would probably be doing a disservice to try and guess what moments those were mm. because you'll see them on camera and you'll yeah. hear it in the audio where I'm like truly surprised that some shit is going down and popping off. I thought it was really cool when Sebastian lost his arm. That was like, yeah, cool you for two me. were surprised as hell. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're just cutting his arm. Oh yeah, they talked about it. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm trying to, right. try to act surprised like I had no idea. I yeah, like, oh, I was yeah. like, I didn't want people to think yeah. I cut your arm off without permission. So. <laughs> no, I think, I think, because there's a long time where like I have favorite characters in the show, and it changes depending on what's happening in the show. So a lot for a long time, Sebastian's my favorite character because his like. his shit is constantly like. I never really talked to Will about what you guys were going to do next. And so when it ha- and all your stuff happens in game, right? It's not like my stuff yeah. where I'm doing it in post. All your stuff happens in game and I'm always just like, "Yo, what?" Like, mm-hmm. you know, when mm-hmm. he's when you call um when you call up that little demon or whatever to to help you go get Prim, I was like, "Yo, what are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck?" <laughs> you know, and yes. I'm like this yeah. brand new character and like like you know, I'm I'm leaning into the shock factor of it all. Like mostly the Sebastian stuff, I don't see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, or like that, the Soul Train was super cool. I was sad that nobody was dancing, but like, yeah. <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit, man, what's uh, that cow gonna do? Nothing. <laughs> all right, about that I, we're moving on. Uh, oh, Percy can become the cow. Percy never becomes the cow. Okay, okay. That's, okay. That's Let's talk about the shocking. cow. The cow served two purposes. <laughs> number one, I needed to give Percy a, a new form at the time, and number two, it was a. Uh, 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 deep cut kind of t- uh, tip of the hat to acquisitions incorporate when they go to hell to save their friend. Is there a cow there? There's a there's a hell cow. Oh damn! Yeah, I gotta go that's listen to those. It's one of the it's great mysteries of the campaign. Like, what's up with the cow? Yeah, I, oh, I, I'm just finding out now. Like, what the fuck happened with that? Like, okay, it makes sense, but really, I'm not that far off. It was just kind of there. Right? Just, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I thought it was cool. I wasn't like, what the fuck? The cow shouldn't be here. I was like, I don't know. It's fine, I guess. I just, what's up with that? It's just a cow. Okay, sometimes it's just a cow. You know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I totally get it. I'm not mad at all. Campaign tattoo. It's just a cow. Yes, <laughs> I love it. It's just a cow. An, a new on the mug. back of our heels, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Achilles style. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd Ready be down to get a group question. tattoo for this game. <laughs> Me too. Oh, what would it be? Absolutely. Ooh, we just fucking said. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Um, Jesus, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the I don't know. The logo is kind of on the nose, but it's on like, the nose. I think that's cool. on the nose. Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Yeah, I like that on idea, it. and I like um, tattoos. That'd be cool. Yeah. Did I okay. did I do the question? I think, you did. <laughs> I think yeah. so. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That was it. And then the cow. The right. Question. My bad. Get a cow tangent. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Next question is from Bros Rock on the Discord, and it is, what do y'all think was the most pivotal moment for each of your character's story and development? Is that like Moro Rock and Moro Bay? I <laughs> do not know. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, I, I, from a DM standpoint, I'm trying to go through the characters. I have Sebastian's, and I'm trying to decide which of Percy's like three big moments. Mm. Um, do we go first, Will? Why you think yeah, about you it? Go, yeah, you guys go okay. ahead. I'm thinking. I, I think for for Sebastian, it's when um, he realizes the grave mistake he made by making a deal with Oof. with Hell by having to kill Dabrax, and then he realized, like, oh my god, like what did I get myself into? 
And then from that point on, seeing how his, his friends slash family, like how they saw him differently. And he did not like that. That's why he slowly progressed, like to get away from that slowly. Yeah. You know, it was like he, at first he loved the power. He loved the strength. He's like, this is fantastic. I oh shit. So what good. did I do? Like, like, what did I get myself into? Like, I, I have to do this. Like, it's, I have no choice. It's like, holy shit. I made it. <laughs> what, I, this is not mm-hmm. good. So mm-hmm. I think for, for Sebastian, he kept on trying to find his way, find his way. He thought like, oh, this is it's all this power, all this strength. This is what I need. This is what I want. Oh wait, it comes with a cost. This is a, too much of a cost that I want to pay. So I, I think that for, for Sebastian, that was his turning point. Yeah, I agree. I I think um I had it a little bit shifted forward where I was going to say when you finally made the the oath to Primina, that's when mm. you went full shift, but I think yeah, if you track it back, it's actually yeah, when you started to regret what you did done. Yeah. Yeah, real slippery <laughs> slippery slope, man. Mm-hmm. All the Sebastian <laughs> stuff. Yeah. It's just like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> and we're all fucking involved in all of it. Well, and like, every Every single uh, Sebastian like decision ended up causing something to happen where like we get involved with hell or like it's it's like seems like everything Sebastian did they put you on trial, bro. But that was dude, I know it's like stuff. it was like nonstop <laughs> stuff that Sebastian got stuff you know got yeah. everybody in trouble for. So it's like oh shit. As Carter, I was like, we're gonna die before the mission closes out because this guy's gonna get us blown up by some somebody he pisses off, right? But as Echo, I'm like, you made me sign a deal with Satan eventually. <laughs> Yeah. Like I had to do that because mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. stuff yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. But like, okay. <laughs> and you had just met us too. That yeah. was yeah. like that was very <laughs> Echo's also like, this is this all is fucking badass. You know, like that's kind of Echo Starstruck. He's like doing he's like doing real shit finally after like mm-hmm. a long time of not doing anything real shit. Mm-hmm. So he's he's kind of into it, honestly. As like Echo's like, oh well, I'll fucking figure this shit out. This is like, you know. I'll, I'll just figure this shit out later, I guess, you know, <laughs> like, fuck it. We got to do this. There's no going. It's not like I have a choice. I got to do this. I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, for Percy, I think maybe the most pivotal moment was, I think the first time she met the galactic spirit. I think the first okay. time she went to like the, the spiritual spheres and everything is that kind of, uh, informed i mean kind of everything after like when she meets the galactic spirit she's like oh this is like where all my power is coming from like this is uh like what i like she kind of gets her purpose when that happens i think because before uh like when she loses her like moon druid powers uh and everything like that like losing those wild shapes and losing like that kind of thread of things um was real was real interesting so i think just the the pivot to the the new druid or the galactic druid stuff um was big because it just kind of informed basically everything that she did from that point on true uh for me it was a tie between that and then um the song of remembrance Mm. where Mm. she first learns to sing and gets yeah. the blast from the past and remembers who she was before it all. Um, yeah. But I think either is, is pretty an equal choice for sure. Definitely. Really cool scene. Definitely. Cool. Mm-hmm. 
scenes. Um, all Percy scenes are like very cool for me. Very emotional oh, yeah. for yeah. me, and I'm not even the character. Have you know? So. <laughs> I, I think that's why when I turn on the interludes, like I'm most excited to hear Percy's interludes. Yeah, yeah. yeah the one oh, there's only two scenes that choked me up when I wrote them. Uh, one was Victoria's last words, and then the other was the scene where I had to make. Percy's mom abandoned her. Yeah, that was, was like, rough. I, I was that writing was it, rough. and I was just like, "This is this is this is rough." Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Why? Well, I, I appreciate sad. it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Echo's last talk with his dad, um, where he tells his dad tells him that he's gonna be whole, like everything's gonna be okay, and he's gonna be whole again. That's like the big release for Echo. You That's know, cool. like that was what. He truly needed to hear, mm-hmm. you know, in that moment after like all this peeling back the wounds, you know, the bandages and like all the pain and stuff and exposing it all and then, you know, getting it all cleaned out. It's like a bad metaphor, a gross no, metaphor, but no, like, I hear you, you know, cleaning the wound and, and putting new new bandage on it for it to really actually heal. Mm-hmm. It's like that's where Echo can like really move forward from his past was that 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 instance. And then the music for those scenes is it was so cool i had written mm-hmm. it a really long time ago i was like oh you know what would be such a cool fucking guitar thing for echo stuff is this thing i wrote like five years ago dude what you wrote for echo shit was fucking bad it was, awesome. it was yes. so good yeah, yeah that, when it, that uh that first like blade song when he does it for the first time mm-hmm. and like reconnects with the like net and speaks to his dad for like the first time in forever like and does the blade song like thing like bro that shit was uh just a mm. chef's kiss just oh, yeah, it was yeah, so good indeed. so i like i like that we didn't i i was like okay we'll do this we'll do this towards the end of the show but there really wasn't a place for echo to be like i am the one that's gonna fucking stab you and then this is my name <laughs> and i was like ah oh, it didn't really pan out that way and I'm glad it didn't because like I didn't want to do it again. It was so powerful the first time. And usually when I get a good idea, like uh like I consider Echo a really good idea in a bubble, you know, like uh oh, yeah. it has something attached to it like that. Um and I was telling Will, I was like, Oh, I had a really hard time trying to do F bats without having the theme song done first. Mm-hmm. And the same thing's happening with Super Quest Omega, which is our next project. It was like I can't actually like we're going to do a couple sessions, but I can't do the real sessions until I finish the theme song. And I already did it once, but I need to redo it, you know, because like uh, rest in peace to Josh Freeland at, <laughs> at, on this on this feed. But um, but but, you know, it was a different different show. Like the wording is going to change and stuff and like the feel of it is different now. It's it's different. It what It's not exactly the same as when Freeland was a part of it, because initially we were going to do it. And keep the core together, but things have changed. You know, we're gonna we're gonna change yeah. some things up, and I think it'll be fine. Um, mm-hmm. we're, I'm still gonna get to play with with Freeland on a Patreon project that we're doing. I'm very excited for that, uh, and it's gonna be in person for us too, which is cool. Like we That's did awesome, yeah. Super Quest. Like we started Super Quest. Are we gonna in talk person. about that at all? How we started it in person, and then COVID and the, happened. The pandemic happened, <laughs> and like some of the worst music I did for the show was like right after the pandemic. I think when we were doing Hell, mm. I was like really trying to get back into it and like feel good about life. Hey, I like your Beholder song, man. I like that one a lot. Beholder? The the song you did for the Beholder fight, the mechanical Beholder fight. Oh yeah. yeah that's a good song. Okay. That's yeah, there's good. there's some good ones in there. There's some bad ones in there. I think uh the, the, there was a weak point for the music. It was that. Um damn it, I did it again. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
that's fine. It was uh, pivotal moments for your character, but the music talk goes into another question, actually, oh, yeah. which is for Brian, and that's you created all the music for the campaign. I don't know mm-hmm. if you get enough credit for that because the music is so dope, um, but how do you do that so good? I have a music background as a kid, you know, I, I took some piano. I was like, you know, fortunate enough to be able to take like piano and drum lessons as a kid. And, um, I kind of like have a natural uptick at, at it. Like I'm really good with rhythm and, uh, and you know, harmonies and stuff are, are something that are like, I don't know. It's hard for me to talk about music. Cause it's, I've realized after all these years that it's such a personal thing to me. And it's hard to uh, relate to people in the same way that mm. I feel about it. Mm. But like, they're just they're like I I feel like it's like that for a lot of people. They they have their very specific you know love of of music. If they even love, I've met people that don't love music in my life, and that that is strange to me. It's very right? strange. <laughs> so like it's it's a part of me, and um like I wanted to I want I basically just wanted to fill the silence of combat with like having to do less edits of big big space it's like okay well we can have like the natural feel of of the D combat table and have something in the background for people to like not be so like stuck in the dead moments um without having to go in because this is a video project and like chop it all up and stuff and with the like time available to me that was sort of the best route to make like a listenable thing um in the future projects i'm going to there's no video we're not, we're going to jump off a of video i think that's the only way i can continue to stomach doing this project um is to is to get away from that because it's really unpleasant for me um uh like i want to make everything perfect and i just don't have the time to do all of it perfect and i i can't i can't hang anymore with that so i want to chop out all the dead the dead silence parts of combat uh and couldn't so i started making the music for it and like a good way to make music fast was to use apple loops which has a bunch of pre-stock sounds so it's like four bars or something. It's like, you know, a couple seconds of music. So I would just grab a couple seconds of this sound and this sound and these drums and those drums and arrange them. So I am composing the music. Um, I didn't, I didn't record, I recorded a ton of music for this show, but in the grand scale, it's only like maybe five to 10 things tops where I'm actually like playing live instruments right. on the recordings. Um, they're like Echo's things, Percy's things, some of Freeland's stuff. You know, I tried to get a hand on the ball for everybody. Um, and, uh, but yeah, a lot of it is just, uh, free Apple loops and, uh, it haunts me because sometimes I hear (laughs) the Apple loop somewhere because they're free for everybody to use. They're royalty free. (laughs) So I'll hear an Apple loop that I used in a super quest saga song on like my kid's iPad. Like an, uh, they'll turn on their iPad. I'm like, I know exactly what fucking loop that is. I can go find that right now. You bastards didn't even change it from like the stock. Like you can manipulate what the loops sound like. I tried to do that as much as possible, and like add effects and like reverse loops and stuff, and like have cool like I don't know. I like the music approach changed. Like I I want I played a lot of live piano at the beginning, um. And like added it into stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of got away from that after Carter left. I was like, okay, well, the music is gonna kind of change thematically, especially now that we're going to hell. Uh, and we took like a long break. I, I did like a different approach to music, but um, I just did my best. This is my first go at like having music in the background. Um, I tried to dabble with some sound effects here and there, but the workload on that is insane. 
So um, I couldn't maintain that for a long time. Like I had a lot of cool ideas I tried to implement. Um, I mostly just tried to stick to a theme with the arcs in the second half of the show. I feel like the first half of the show just kind of I'm doing my best to make a song I think is cool. That sort of fits the scene. Um, if I went back, I could probably do a better job at like matching the tonal qualities to certain things. Um, but you know, like it's a learning curve, right? So I'm just kind of throwing stuff together. I was like, Oh, this is cool. I remember having a really fun time doing the music for the, the zombies and the plants and all that. Um, plombies. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, uh, plombies. <clears throat> so that, that was cool. Uh, a lot of the stuff is reactive, right? I'm like, okay, well, Will did a combat. I need to make a song right? after I've done <clears throat> the combat and, like, you know, done my first sweep of the edits. Um, yeah, it, the second half of the show, I tried to, like, in the Ryoka arc, um, there's a lot of organ in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to put organ in every song because we're on, like, a, I don't know. I just pictured like one of these rooms guys got of a big fucking demonic organ in it, right? Like on this stupid ship, like they're going to somebody's going to be playing a fucking organ. We got pretty close to stuff like that. So, you know, yeah. uh and then I re- always remember a game we played um on our Patreon called Dredge into Shadowmire Keep, uh, which I think yeah. we that that game that had like a big game. fucking organ and I I did like Tetris on the organ for one of the sound design bits for that and I just thought that was so fucking funny. Yep. Oh yeah. Um like we're walking into this fucking evil room with this evil being playing the fucking e- big evil organ, and they're playing Tetris. Like, yeah, that was fucking good. And it's organ, you know, it's fucking dope. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the approach. Um, I like. I wish I had more time to spend on it. And by what I mean by that is like, if I had infinite time, I'd use it on that and never get it done. So like, the fact that it's contained in a time bottle for me was probably okay you know it forces me to make music i think i wrote like 30 fucking songs or something yeah like i looked back on it and was like oh jesus there's a lot of music here like i never thought i'd write this much music ever um you know and have it be static like this and like oh these songs have names you know you can check them out on our patreon Um, check out my guy vine guy my guy guy. (laughs) it's so good yeah it was good (laughs) wasn't that for gil i think I'm not even sure. It it must have been the Namalith art because that's the only time you. I think it might have been when you fought the Shambling uh, Mound. Mm-hmm. 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 I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, Either way, it's a great song. For a second, I I wasn't sure if you said fight, fought, or fucked. I was like, I don't remember doing <laughs> fought. that. Fought. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't know if I can do that. All right. Um, next question. <laughs> yeah, but uh, question. thank you, Marco. Yeah. Uh, so this is for William. I imagine oh. this is going to get. Um, answered in your uh, Kickstarter setting book, mm. but uh, what part of the setting did you want to show off on screen but couldn't? And this is from oh. Last of the Othies via Discord. That's a that's an excellent question. I, I think the Cyber Federation is probably the, the, the one aspect of the galaxy that I really did get to highlight. Um, even though we we did talk about it a lot, like they were they were pivotal in the fact that they were an ally of the of the empire, <clears throat> and the fact that Victoria was actually from there, um, and like that informed kind of her relationship with Asimov and all the other stuff. But um, but we never we never visited Mechanis. We never boarded a dwarven ship. Um, there was very few dwarves that actually showed up in the storyline. Uh, that wasn't on purpose. It just kind of the way it happened. But. Uh, I, I wish I could have shown more of the Cyber Federation. 
cool. Um, <laughs> Stella. Stella. Stella has made an appearance. You're supposed to. You have to there's get used kitty. to telling telling people there's a cat. I was hoping that she wouldn't, but then she did. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's so cute. The camera's all rocking. Yeah, it's okay. As we, cats we are not, want to do. <laughs> we're not. Tr- we're not trying to. We're not trying to stifle Stella's groove. You know. Stella's. Why you? Stella's did this. Jake's cat. Yes. If you saw a. I don't know. Are you going to do video for this or no? Yeah. For this one, yeah. This okay. is going to be our last video. Then oh, sorry, you- everybody on YouTube. This is the, the the campaign ends visually here. Then you guys most likely so you saw know. the big bushy tail mm-hmm. of this Stella's right now. Mm-hmm. But in future recordings that Stella exists in, which is not FBATS because that was like three years ago or something. <laughs> yeah, um, it'll be her voice that you hear probably. <laughs> well, it'll be us telling you that Stella is here. Yes. To also, like Stella's on the keyboard. The Cat special, on the keys. Special, special guest Stella is here. <laughs> special guest, special guest. <laughs> It's a guest within a guest. She did. I made sure to put her in the wiki. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) You rule Um, for the wiki, by the way. You do. I can't show you how pivotal the the wiki was when it came to the last three arcs, especially after the couple breaks that we took, where a lot of the stuff that happened in previous episodes was just so rusty to me. So being able to go back and look and, and see, like, you know, move for move what happened in every single episode, at least for like the first 20 episodes or whatever, like helped keep me fresh on all the stuff that happened before, which helped me keep the continuity continuous. So thank Glad you. Somebody was reading it. Oh, um, I was. As there. of this <laughs> moment in time, it is not current, but I'm hoping to have it all updated and pretty by the time this hits YouTube and podcast oh, thank you. feeds. So check it out. <clears throat> I spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, yeah, everyone here. We'll we'll put the link in the description. I think we've been putting the link in the description, but go check out yeah. the wiki. It is it is very thorough and well done. Yeah, it kicks ass. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Or as okay. the kids say, fucking slaps, <laughs> bruh. Absolute <laughs> gas. Next question. Um, okay, so this is from Artemis from the Discord, and it's uh is the party happy with how well the campaign turned out? Um they know it was a long campaign and it was probably satisfying to finish, but um, how do you guys feel about it? That's for you. Oh, yeah. Rapid I mean, fire. I, <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I, I, I couldn't wish for a better campaign, better ending. Just it, it, everything was just amazing. I mean, just the, the world itself, like kind of we touched on earlier, the character development, everything. I think everything was just spot on for me, at least. You know, I, I think it was just fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Like, especially with this being our first campaign that all of us have finished, like it was super satisfying to start and uh, actually get to the end and get that nice closure uh, for everybody. Um, yeah, real nice. I'm ha- I'm very happy with it. Um, yeah, like there's that's really that's really what I have to say is like what a what an awesome ride. Glad to finish it. Um, good times. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, guys. I also am pleased with how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next one is for William. It is, again, from the Paladin of the Lost Days on YouTube. And what is your favorite and least favorite part of your creation and why? Oh. Oh, mm. okay. Mm. It's phrased interestingly, too, because of the creation part. What is my favorite part? <sighs> um... You need time. Mary Shelley would have been like, "Oh, I like the bolts on on the neck." 
<laughs> I don't like the big hairy feet. Um, well, we're, I'm going to talk about this like like kind of outside of the show part, just just as the the world like the setting part, and um, I liked the even though it was very light when it came to the show, like the the idea of these galactic politics and all these different galactic nations and trying to craft where I feel like different races or different species kind of ended up. And um, that was fun for me. Uh, and it informed the entire campaign. So it was probably my favorite part was was putting that together. That's for my least favorite part. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. That's that's difficult for me to answer. Uh, so this is, I guess, for anybody. And this is from Marcos, who sent it in via email. Hello, Marcos. Um, hey, Marcos. I know hi, him. Marcos. <laughs> I got mind freaked with that room. guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous you guys got mind freaked without me. Marcos is going to be a player in an up our upcoming project on this on this channel and uh i went and saw chris angel mind freak in vegas with them and it was awesome my fiance sister and mom are going next week hell yeah oh, cool. totally worth <laughs> that's cool Jealous. Don't... i had to be in a boring meeting and it oh. was not oh. fun <laughs> don't worry we'll go we'll go again he has a new show oh so, yeah brian so... might be on tv on oh yeah i also special. might <laughs> i might accidentally be on television because, what did you do um well chris angel made it he mind freaked me <laughs> and he camera freaked my body <laughs> Um, he was like, hey, I'm recording this audience for like uh, part of the TV show that we're going to do because he's going to do like a, a fucking TV show about like teaching uh -uh. celebrities how to do magic. And he like put the camera on the audience and Marcos was like, bro, all I could see was like a spotlight on your giant blue body because I was wearing like a blue flannel. And yeah, like I, I'm tall. Like I was I was just like radiating energy oh, in the crowd. It. I was like, I did notice that I could really see myself on the camera, but I didn't realize that it was being fucking recorded for television. God damn it. That's fantastic. That's so, funny. so yeah, check me on Mind Freak or whatever the fuck the show's called. <laughs> yeah. All right. But back to um, his question, and that is, were there any spells or class features you planned for but didn't get to use? Mm. Oh. So I'm going to uh, jump the Arcane queue on Gate? this one. Arcane Teleporting. At all. At all. Mostly. It just never happened, did it? <laughs> Not really. I'm sorry. That's it. You tried. You tried yeah, teleporting. You did. I mean, you did sorta. a mattress. You did mention door to mattress. Mention door. That's, oh, that's God. Cool. All the teleports in the show were extra force. Because <laughs> you just wanted to do it. <laughs> I have to do this. This is like, I took so many teleport spells and none of them worked the way I thought they would. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Shout out to Wraith Reaper for keeping me honest on, like, basically teaching me how to be a wizard uh, through YouTube comments. <laughs> mm. Yeah. For, for me, I mean... And there's a lot of spells I didn't use because I was more all you did was smite. smite. Yeah, <laughs> you I was, was like, smite. I'm gonna smite. I got these spells just in case, but I'm just gonna smite, smite, smite. So why there's plenty. Of like, why spells. be a paladin when you could just smite? Well, I mean, yeah. it's paladins do smite when you could just yeah. smack. Yeah, that's my favorite part, just smacking. So yeah, there's a lot of spells. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to use, but no, smite. Yep, smite. Uh, <laughs> and then and then when it came to fighting the Arlethetep, you decided to try and save all your smites. Yeah. Oh, I I, I try to slow roll it because like I don't know what's gonna happen next. Cool. Well, thank God we we got stuff back, you know, because like. Oh yeah, thank God. Not your yeah. DM. You, you suffer from you suffer from ether uh like ether usage syndrome or whatever the fuck from Pokemon 
like, or ethers, I guess. Ethers or ethers? What are they ethers. called? Ethers. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to yeah. use my any of my fucking yeah. best items. Yeah. Oh, I was using them. I just wasn't using, like, the high-level ones yet because, like, man, I don't have many left. I was like, yeah. shit. I was like, I and the thing is, like, I, I didn't know if this was, like, his final form. If this was, like, hey, hey, you beat me up and then I'm going to disappear and I reappear later on in the this, you know, episode or quest. So I was like, fuck, I don't know if I just want to totally exhaust. Fun fact about that fight is I only, I designed that fight to just be one form. I had oh. made up an entire other form halfway through the fight because <laughs> you guys did so much damage. There you it go. It was on the spot. Didn't even know that. <laughs> that's dope. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of class features I didn't get to use. When I was the fighter for, for that small little arc there, there's some stuff I didn't use on there. Um, even my last class, uh, when I was uh, the oath of the, was it the guardian with, when I swore my oath to Prim, there's, there's quite a few things on there that I didn't get a chance to use. I didn't get, I wasn't that subclass for very long so it just there's a lot of things that just didn't pop up where i'm like ah, i can use this feature and that feature mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. um for percy there wasn't much i didn't get to use like there was uh as we got to 15 um there was like a level 14 like druid feature where you get alter self uh and you could do it at will um, which would have been nice fucking, I don't even know, 10 levels ago, because then I would have been able like to disguise myself for longer than an hour. And uh, that would have been extra fucking useful. Um, but, you know, I didn't get to use that. But other than that, I feel like I got a pretty good, uh, a pretty good span of the druid stuff. Uh, not a lot of spells I didn't get to use. Like, uh, save spells are tough. So, like, I... I've always wanted to polymorph somebody, but you know, like we didn't get to do it until the very last part. And then everything had like legendary resistances on it. And so like, I didn't get to polymorph anything, but that'll like, it'll happen. It's fine. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it eventually. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah, you <laughs> watch out be right. Um, so yeah, no, like, I feel like I got a pretty good span of everything. I think. Uh, the next question is for William again, and this is from Emmanuel via email. And it is, how would the Armory and the Dynamo have presented themselves to the party if Carter's paranoia hadn't gotten in the way? I didn't uh. have a monologue that you did not <laughs> so, get to use. <laughs> I have to go back and re-listen to the episode, but I think I ended up working in the lines I had planned just throughout the fight instead of having it all happen up front. Um, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah okay. I think we so, talked about it on recording too. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that one actually worked out because I I just worked it in every round, every turn that came up. I just fed another line. But the only way it would have been different would have been all those lines would have been like one monologue from each of them before the fight began. Okay. Uh, I have a note on that if you guys don't mind, um, which is like the the Carter's paranoia thing. Because the alert feet, I took the alert feet, so you can't be surprised. Um, and uh, like Carter wasn't there to like put up with bullshit from like outside sources, because he would answer to somebody that would like reprimand him for allowing somebody to just like walk in and start like talking when they're clearly like a threat. Um, I just want to be clear, like I wasn't trying to be a dick or anything. No, it's all good, dude. Yeah, 
It's like this is this is I know that comes up a lot. Like I stole everybody's money. This is what my character would do. Yeah. I mean, you guys did the same thing in your lift up. I didn't get. I had to do the same thing. True. I worked all his True. lines in in between rounds. Yeah. I fi- I figured by then you just kind of know. Um, I plan on doing that in the future. Like monologuing's hard. In like a like a like why are we letting this dude power up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of vibe. Like, can't we just punch this guy right now while he's talking? <laughs> yes. Like that's that's what I always think when I'm watching. Dragon Ball. I'm like, this is great and all, but like, go punch that guy, please. I I am a very big proponent of uh of like the Attack on Titan, like Aaron punching the <laughs> the Hammer Titan before she like while she's like assembling Absolutely. or grouping, and this man just comes out screen and punches the shit out of him. Especially when you think about uh like the trials that like we've been through and like the bullshit we've had to like put up with. Like, I don't know how many people would like, just let, uh, like with Carter, like, obviously like we all got betrayed by this man. So like, of course it's, it's on site. Like he's going to get the hands the second I see you because, (laughs) because you betrayed me. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, I, I, I also, felt like a dick doing that but i was like but also you know like uh it's just how they would respond in response to seeing this person that they fucking hate like if the uh if the god king wasn't like fucked up by the time we got there or like denethar wasn't fucked up Mm -hmm. by the time we got there of course he was gonna get the hands like (laughs) this this man has been chasing us for the whole damn campaign of course he's gonna get the hands uh so it was just it's tough to, uh, like, because you obviously you want the villain monologue and you want, like, you know, the lore dump and everything like that. Like, you want that. But then also, I'm also the, I am also the PC but in also this. Also, you want Yes, but also I'm so mad. <laughs> I am not caged. Yes. Attack. Um, speaking of Denethar, William, did you, you had some thoughts. Oh, yeah. Okay, so. So my thoughts when it comes to Denethar are are only I only have those thoughts as because as a DM like I know I know the story right I know I know Denethar's story from when he was a babe all the way up to now, and I see Denethar in a lot of ways as the antithesis to Echo. Uh, as a matter of fact, if Echo's parents had not betrayed the Empire, if they had decided like if they after learning the truth had said had decided to justify the means to an end and stay a part of Elven society, uh, it's it's very likely that Denethar and um, and Echo would have ended up being um, what's the word like uh, it rivals, maybe colleagues. Oh yeah, no, no, maybe rivals, maybe friends. Like they could have been. Who's to say? Um, the main thing about Denethar is, yeah, he was a truly despicable person who did despicable things, and like we should be measured against the acts we commit, like not necessarily the intentions. Um, thus, you know, the famous saying, and you know, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But I will say this, Denethar never stood a chance. Like <laughs> the, the dude never stood a chance. He was born into a society uh, that basically praised and ushered him all the way up through his adolescent years, brainwashed him into thinking the God Emperor was the end all be all was never shown another way, was never exposed to anyone or anything else. He was completely and utterly indoctrinated, told his dad was a hero, convinced that he was go- was following his father's path and saving the galaxy every step of the way, spoon-fed, spoon-fed, spoon-fed. Um, 
And then in the end, when he dies, he realizes that he everything he had done not only was in vain, but everything he had done was uh, was what made him a monster and not not the hero. So he died in in absolute despair, which a lot of people would say he deserved because he did a lot of terrible things. But um, I weep for people like Denethar who once were babes and never stood a chance because they never had a chance. And I see we all like flipped him off as we like went by yeah. at the end there. He fucking took a picture with his body. Like, he did. He <laughs> you, did. I didn't that take. Yeah. I know that meme happened in the Discord, but that's that not- was me. <laughs> I made that immediately. That shit was funny as yes. fuck. I was oh. dead when I saw that. I was like, it kind of did go down like that, it didn't it? Absolutely it? Oh, did. Oops. Um, I I personally loved that uh, Denethar got a promotion every time we heard about that's him. That's true. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> That was actually really funny. Yeah. That was that was really mm-hmm. funny. Um, okay, this next question is a kind of two part. It is, what is the most memorable thing that you did in the campaign, and then what is the most memorable memorable thing that one of the other players did oh for gosh. the DM? The horns. This seems like a this seems like a long one. Yeah, the horns are here. Do we want to consider skipping this question? Because I feel like we've well, hit a lot of this stuff. I mean, let's. If you have something off the top of your head, for me, Carter's most memorable thing was was puking in his own suit on that. Shit was fucking. Hilarious. I forgot about that. I will never forget that. Was that was very good. It was just the funniest scene in the entire show. For Classic. Me. Damn Classic. it! I'm always getting called out for like the 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 nasty humor, <laughs> the poop and vomit, <laughs> the blood and stuff. It's so, so good true. though. Oh, it's man. funny. Um. Trying to think here. Oh my god, that role play was so good, mm-hmm. man. He's like, was. he was like, oh my god, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fun. Namleth um, was really mm-hmm, fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, that was a yeah, good arc. Yeah. Um, trying to think. That's the that's the one that pops into my head. Yeah. What about you guys? Oof. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think uh, for me, uh, the the nat twenty on Zovra. I think I'm going to remember uh, yes. for forever because that yes. was so hype. Yep. Um, was that a death save? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nat 20 on she the death save up. came back. That's and right. then I'm pretty sure I brought Sebastian back or because Carter had so, Carter had yeah. ran to the ship at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was firing on fools. With yeah. The like cannon, I right? think you were oh, like ship combat. You were like warming shit up. So I was like, okay, we're on the floor. Fuck. And then I got up and then I got Sebastian up and then I was like, I'm a hide behind Sebastian <laughs> and hopefully not die. Uh, so that was pretty dope. Uh, if I could toot my own horn. And then I think, uh, I think most memorable thing that somebody else did. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, Sebastian, you, uh, killing um what, what was his fucking name the the um iron legion dude like davarax oh, was that davarax. Yeah. yeah you killing that dude was like rough because i was like how uh yeah. like as far as going a couple questions back like the the thing that somebody shocked like us by doing you definitely shocked me with that because i was like oh well fuck like i've thought of like me and percy I've both thought of this man as a good man this whole time. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. is like the and first truly not good thing. Because uh, everything and, else was justified, you know? Like everything else, I was like, yeah. I understand we're in this shitty time. But yeah, like I think that was real hard uh, for me and Percy to be like, oh, well, fuck. Like 
something's going on, obviously. And like, this is something that mm-hmm. we can't uh, continue because uh, there will yeah. be a problem at some point between uh, between us if this keeps up. You know what I mean? Like it would it would have come to a head at some point because I don't think Percy or Echo would have uh, allowed such suspect behavior to continue. I mean, maybe maybe Echo like he didn't like. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't. Yeah, Echo was pretty. I shook. was still new to the group. Yeah. It was like yeah. really neutral feeling for Echo. Like. Hey man, I don't know what the fuck you've been through. Yeah. Like, and I don't really know who that guy is yeah. all that well, yeah. and if he deserves what's going on or what. But like, it just didn't feel like any of his business. Yeah. That's fair. Mm. That's fair. I, I will say, like, yeah, that, I don't think Freeland. I didn't tell you anything about that. I was, Mm-mm. I, and for me, that was a pivotal moment to see whether you 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 stayed with Ramazal in that moment or if you yeah. betrayed him, and uh, and you, you stabbed your <laughs> friend in the heart. <laughs> rough, um, real rough. It was a good episode. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, memorable moments. Some of the things that pop out of my head is uh, Splack for sure. The heart <laughs> yeah. attack on Splack for sure. Yes. That was like a, went down with a heart attack. Oh, good old Splack. Loved it. Loved it. Um, the toothpaste thing with Carter mm-hmm. definitely mm. sticks in my mind for sure. That whole whole scene. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them, but it's true. Those are the two that like pop out in my head like right away. I think for for Sebastian, like when he first got his Hexblade Oathbreaker powers, like how OP he was when we uh, that creature under the ice. Yes, when we first, uh, he just demolished that thing. I was like, oh, whoa! Yeah. Like, I was like, oh my gosh! Walrus, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, holy crap! This dude's powerful. <laughs> like that stood he out in my mind too. Yeah, yeah. He basically soloed that thing. You soloed yeah. like so what I, was it? Uh, an adult red dragon? Is isn't that what you did? No, though? it's a white. It, it was, was an white, adult white oh. dragon. I mean, so you soloed yeah. a dragon pretty yeah, much you by yourself. It, yeah. it was <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah, so that's some of the things that kind of stood out in my mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like trying to fix a fucking gas can or something. You were. <laughs> you <laughs> you were. <laughs> and this dude just like chops a fucking giant walrus in mm-hmm. half. Like, oh yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I'll be over here. Behind that guy, <laughs> uh, I I liked. Um, I was surprised at how the Carter uh, the Carter fight went on and Zon's lab, um, and like the because I we did a code DM for that too, right? Like yeah, I, we I did. was in charge yeah. of that combat, yeah. and um, I I did some cool stuff. Uh, you guys are just so fucking strong, <laughs> dude. I sent in reinforcements like on the fly because you guys were so strong. You, yeah, like Sebastian and Percy are just so fucking powerful. Like it, you guys are just dumb, stupid, strong to hit. <laughs> like it's probably been a job. It like if I didn't play Carter the way I played, I'd be dead. I'd be fucking dead. Cause like the whole build is to not get hit and to stay in the yeah. back. Real easy with you two brick wall, brick fucking shit houses <laughs> up front. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. Like all the all the Freeland stuff, like all the Sebastian stuff, like really, you know, it was all. This is one of the only things in the campaign that's like uh, whatever Will's doing or whatever Freeland's doing is like the super fresh shit that I haven't heard yet. So when it comes in, I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is dope. Mm-hmm. Like the stabbing. I was like, oh, goddamn. But like, you know, Echo's like, yeah, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but like like going along with it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the the fucking those three foxes. What were those guys called again? The uh, the Maijin. The Maijin. That oh, was like, yeah, yeah. I that was fun. I thought that, that was, was like cool. a super potent. Like, it felt like sort of random that it was happening, 
because it kind of was, and that was like the theme of this place. It's like a bunch of random shit in the ship. And the, the, there's just these like random evil as fuck dudes in here that like took my bro's deepest fucking memory and shit. I was like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Uh, th- this isn't cool. And like we're mid arc and like the not cool shit is happening now. <laughs> like, you know, um, that was a surprise. And it, it set it sets oh. Echo up to go back into like a dark place. Mm. Uh, and then th- that's I think that's why the next echo scene that I do is so pivotal for me in story is like we're breaking this like charm also that happened yeah. like there's like this break in the magic. Um, so it w- I think the Majin was like one of the, the things that I thought was like crazy that happened because um, it was like, dude, what the fuck? This random hurdle is like so epic, you know, right. I was like, oh, wow, this is such a cool part of, of the story. Um, next question is for a special guest, Jake, from Paladin of the Lost Days. And that is, what is the hardest part of playing Persephone? Um, I think that the hardest part was, um, I guess mechanically, was uh, all the spells that druids have. Uh, I will say, uh, on like a player standpoint, it was tough to... Because uh, I think at the end there, I think I could have like, I don't even know, like almost 30 spells uh, prepared, uh, I think at level 15. And then um, there was just so much for every freaking situation. So it just got a little bit tough to see what exactly we were going to be doing. Uh, other than that, like uh, role play wise and everything like that, it was pretty it was pretty easy to <laughs> to play her so uh there wasn't much else that was like hard for her okay um and we have another question from itty bitty bean on discord and it is uh did your approach to playing or dming change throughout or because of this campaign is that for me or is that for will that's for yeah. everybody. That's for That's everyone. For everybody. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like I talked about this before when it came to the world building is I was just much more meticulous. But when it came to the actual live show, I mean, I feel like we just play D&D the way that we've always played D&D, which I think is one of the strengths of the show. But faster. Yeah. I don't even think it was that much Wait. faster. I think it was faster, though. The pacing yeah. is up. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I feel like from our older games... Like we had a little more sandboxy freedom, mm-hmm. and in this show, the pa- like there's so much bullshit flying at you <laughs> in this campaign yeah. that like the pace is up all the time. So, yeah. but it's perfect for what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I would agree. Same. Yeah. yeah, I think I've already hit this like with Carter, like how important those two spell slots were per episode mm-hmm. to like not only try to do one that's gonna land, but also do one that was like entertaining. You know. All I thought about it's like, yeah, I'm gonna Eldritch Blast after whatever. Uh, and this next question, I think a lot of people had it's uh from Paladin of the Lost Days again, and it is for Don't Josh it. Freeland. And that is, uh, what were your subclass features? Oh. Your new oh, in all caps, Indeed. yeah, in yeah. all caps, with I know like we kept saying we were gonna address marks. it. I, yeah. I just kept yeah. forgetting. I'm sorry, I was busy trying to write the end yeah. of the campaign. Well, I, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll talk about it when they come up when I actually use them, but I never actually got around using it. I think any of them really. Um, 
I, I had to pull up my my character sheet to to remember all of them. Like like for the channel divinities, um, there was the divine challenge, which as a bonus action, I can compel a creature within ten feet of me to focus its attacks on me. Uh, there's some more you know stuff. To I mean, that you could have well. done that against Neon Death Depth. Yeah, yeah. You didn't. <laughs> uh, uh, divine ward. Uh, you protect an ally from harm within ten feet of you. So pretty much, mm. I would take all their damage and effects on myself, as opposed to having it inflicted on them. Um, and then Soul of the Defender, which is at the fifteenth level, um, after being reduced to zero hit points on your next turn, you may use a reaction to begin healing hit points equal to charisma modifier p- plus your proficiency bonus. Every round for one minute, which oh. pretty dope. Never had a chance to use it, but it's like pretty it just badass. couldn't fucking kill you. That's why. <laughs> no matter what mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the aura of resistance. Sorry, at seventh level, I could choose one damage type uh, aside from slashing, piercing, or bludgeoning um, after a, a long rest. Uh, uh, so yeah, Same. those are the the main ones. Yeah, that's dope. All class that you and William came up with. Write a subclass. I uh, I took a lot of it from a homebrew that I saw, but I tweaked a bit to fit the setting a bit more. Yeah. Okay. And uh, our next question is for William, and that is, uh, and it is from Freeland. Ah. Uh, so what are some of the things in this campaign that you were hoping would come up or happen that didn't happen? Uh, were there any cool things that the players didn't find that you had hidden? Hmm. Um, they did not find the deck of many things that I hid in the library, the library of ancients. So mm. not that I necessarily wanted them to find it, but I, I <laughs> put that in all my campaigns somewhere <laughs> yeah. and it was there and it just never did get found. Yeah. When, didn't I have to roll like a nat 20 as things were like collapsing? Or no. no on a, on so an you had, a, you had two chances. Your first chance was when you were going down the stairs. Uh, if you had used detect magic, the spell, mm. you would have found it. But you chose to just keep using investigation instead. Um, and the second would have been if you had crit while moving up through all the books falling. Yeah, I would have snatched it yeah. out of the air. <laughs> yeah, would have landed those on the, those Bigby's are the finger. Two. Um, as for like like you know like major like plot points or scenes or any of that stuff, like one of the great things about this was. Two things kind of worked in my favor in this regard. Uh, number one, keeping the plot moving so fast that you guys are just reacting kept me a little bit more in control than I would be in a traditional game. Uh, two, your guys' immense amount of trust in me as a DM also allowed me a lot of uh, uh, free movement that I might not have been allowed to in a more traditional game. And because of that, I kind of got everything I wanted. So <laughs> all the scenes I, I wanted or planned or, or really pined for, like I managed to find my way to and um thank you guys yeah i think that was pivotal for making the show that that worked out that way yeah super dope we're down to our last few questions and this one is a very important one (laughs) from marcos and it is hashtag epilogue first black unacceptable i don't know if spike's gonna get epilogue (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, per- he's still around. Percy rolls up on him in <laughs> oh, <laughs> in, no. the, in the blood gala no. and uh, just sends him like basically just makes this man get reborn as something else. Uh, like just sends him to his next life uh, as many Damn. times as I encounter his life. 
Goodness. You know, I, I, where you are uh, in uh, in your story and your power level, Percy, you are capable of doing that. So if that's what you did, that's what you did. <laughs> I love it. No, it's fine. He can live. Uh, everybody, lo- <laughs> everybody loves Splack. Uh, I only hate on Splack because everybody loves Splack. Uh, it's <laughs> fine. He can live. I'll fucking... Uh, I'll, like, Percy would have healed him too, though. Like, he... I did not I did not mean for him to suddenly die of a heart attack. That was that was just those, those Yeah, cards. that was the platinum those, yeah. card that that Will gave me. So if anything, it's Will's fault that Splack died. He had a heart attack, but they saved him. He lives He, lives. he Splacks about uh, Jake, have you ever even listened to the Dungeon Cast episode where we made Splack? Uh, that was a long time before that. It was a really yeah. long time. It ago. was, and I haven't. Uh, I've just taken it upon myself to um, to despise him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's all. Well, if you ever feel like f- figuring out where Splat came yeah. from, it was a character creation from a Dungeon Cast episode. Yes, um, I believe the Wizards Revisited. Yeah, episode. Uh, I'll I'll boot it up uh, just to just to fuel more, just to put more fuel on my hate fire. <laughs> <laughs> This uh, next question is from Eastie on YouTube, and that is, are all four of you together going to do more actual plays? Mm. Mm. Do you want me to answer, or do you at this point, Brian? I'll go. Okay. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. We're yeah, up in, the band. in a certain capacity, yes, we're all going to continue to be on projects together yeah. under like the umbrella here so you'll be able to hear us um we're gonna pay while freeland he's just fucking too good <laughs> he's too good you gotta pay to hear his voice he's too good i, I can't let you guys, guys just like, keep having him to me, you know hey. you can't just keep having him he's he's behind a paywall now oh, okay, um, unhallowed's un- gonna be <clears throat> really really awesome yeah so we do encourage people to go check that out um at the risk of plugging harder um on patreon.com slash <laughs> we're gonna be playing a grim dark campaign that will's gonna continue to dm so will you are gonna be in the control seat for a while here still mm-hmm. um but we've talked about it a lot um during this um so i'm i'm gonna keep jake and will's gonna be a player in in my game that's coming up super quest omega mm-hmm. um so we're gonna throw f bats was a patreon project as well we're gonna throw that onto the feed while we record it we've already started and uh mariko is on the call uh you know navigating these questions for us she's going to be a player in that game mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm um, hey. And her husband Marcos, who we've referenced and received questions from. Hey. Um, yeah, it's going to be a grand old time. So you know, um, you're still going to get all of us. We're just spread across two shows yes. now. Yeah, Freeland um, is so excellent. He takes two of us no, to replace whatever. him. <laughs> Not at all. His boots are so big. Mm-hmm. I need a whole person for each. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, that kind of covers our uh, uh, the, final question, which is, what's next? Yeah. So it's unhallowed in SuperQuest Omega. Yeah. Yeah. Um well F bats is, is gonna happen first, right? That's true. Because it That's already true. happened. And I um please I, I do wanna put a uh you know a disclaimer up front. Uh please forgive me for the audio for like the first five of those or so, maybe even like seven of them. Uh it is not up to the standard we've grown to. Yeah. It's because we started doing that show really on really early on, like in my living room with the air conditioner running on in the background because it's hot as <laughs> yes. fuck. Now Will and I sweat it out wherever we're gonna be for the sake of the audio with mm-hmm. like a fan on maybe at best. 
Um, and and we've we've come a long way. Uh, I still think that it's worth putting out because the content itself is is so magical <laughs> for FBATs. Um, um, I'll it, be listening to it. Yeah, it's with Steve. <laughs> it's with Steve, Same. our good friend Steve, who you guys ha- will only meet on FBATs, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and Jake and I'm the DM. It's Batman the Animated Series episodes converted into like a series of one shots is a good way to describe it, mm-hmm. I guess. They're all they can all be listened to in a vacuum, but they do have a contiguous like flow. Um and they culminate at the end in a way. I mean, um in the way that like in the same gravitas Batman the Animated Series would bring to like a culmination point, which is we're gonna do another season, so like nothing too crazy happened. Batman is gonna live through everything, you know, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, and that was the idea that we brought to the table with it is we're just going to have some fun and make a show that we could like conceptually keep making forever if we felt like it. Um, and I do want to get back to a version of that show one day. It has, I think we're going to leave it and let it lie with like the 28 sessions we did. Um, not including, I think like a spinoff arc we accidentally did <laughs> where I thought we were going to take a different direction with the show and didn't thought ended up being like, no, nah, this isn't the show, but it was fun. Mm. Um, I think all of those episodes are eventually going to make it to this feed, um, but they're basically sitting in on the feed to buy us time to record Super Quest Omega, which is uh, I'm taking the reins from Will. And if you go on, uh, sorry to plug this again, but patreon.com slash dungeoncast, you can listen to the raw recordings we're doing as they're finished. Um, the idea is that they'll be available there while we sound design everything and write music. Because part of the really difficult thing of making Super Quest Saga for me was being on the strict timeline and having to pump out content like constantly. It it forces some things. I, I really want to take my time and work on a music project in like a way that feels like super rich and meaningful that I can really dig my my teeth into and my nails into with my own recording. I want to record everything. I don't want to rely on loops unless I think it's a cool idea to like add a loop in here and there. Cause they, there's a lot of cool ones. Um, but, but the idea is that I want to make um, like a similarly paced show as what we've done here and uh, apply like a video game feel to it. And like a really crispy edited radio drama feel to Dungeons and Dragons that um, I think there are other podcasts out there kind of trying to tackle it in that way. Um, and I think I'm going to do a better job <laughs> straight up than anything else you I've will. heard. Like I conceptually think that the, the next thing, the next thing I, I do for D and D is going to hit like really hard. Uh, I'm super confident about that. I feel like the, 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 the holes I have in my game are story wise. And I think I've kind of hit it. Uh, I think I've kind of fleshed it out. Um, and we've recorded our session zero. You guys have heard like the, the baseline for the story beat. Um, just get ready for it because the the first episode is going to be like a really cool upbeat. Like there's going to be combat. We're going to be in media resolution doing stuff with the party. You're going to get to know the players as they're playing. And then the second episode, it sounds like we're doing a fucking rave. So like, (laughs) you know, there's that. And then the third episode is going to have some really cool, like deep. It's a, it's going to be a blend of like my homebrew campaign setting mixed with like all the cool, original D lore that i've learned from the sh- other show we do called the dungeon cast so pretty much i'm going to be using as much 5e stuff as i think is cool uh which is like you know giants and dragons are are dope 
and they have like their own eras where they lived and thrived. Like I'm going to keep some of that lore and I'm going to move forward with a bunch of my own lore, which kind of accidentally butts up against some stuff that happened in Theros. Um, but it's different in a lot of ways too. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's going to be a real, real cool campaign. Um, I'm going to lean into a lot of the things Will did, uh, which is let a lot of the players, uh, uh, concepts and ideas inform what the world is going to be. So, you know, it's not, it's not all there yet. And it's not going to be, my style is to kind of like literally not know what exists in a space until we get there. And then talking about it on, on at the table together, like what the thing you want, it could exist here and, and should, Let's make it a reality. What should it be? What's the most interesting thing? And then we come up with it right there and we improv the rest of it. And and that's going to be cool. There's going to be, you know, the whole thing's not improv. I have a lot of stuff written down. Um, but I want to give that autonomy to everybody too and like really help build this map and this world together so that we all feel a part of it the way I, I know that we feel about Super Quest Saga. It's like we all kind of have a piece of this in our hand. Um, so we want to maintain that and uh have like a rich world and and rich character concepts so we've interviewed everybody and you can hear about their characters and uh and who they are if you don't know like we we introduce Marcos and Mariko and uh I guess technically Will from a player standpoint you can hear that too true um and uh and yeah like I I'm I'm really really excited about it you can you can go listen to the raw recordings on on Patreon probably at least a few of them are going to be there by the time this drops. Um, and yeah, I highly encourage you to check out F bats, um, you know, get used to me a little bit. Um, that was like one of my first major stints as a DM was, um, this super quest ultra project, which you can hear, um, like our really choppy recordings on, on Patreon. We're like missing footage for it. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, there's like so many things went wrong to make that project not happen. Uh, but we learned so much and it made what we're doing now possible. Um, so it was, it was good. It just wasn't, you know, what, like, I don't know. It was going to be, maybe we'll there's a lot of it issues. One day. There's just a lot of issues, cool. you know, I'll play but, D'Artagnan again. It'll be I'll great. Bring, I'll bring Digo back. <laughs> I yeah. love, I love like, the, there's nothing wrong with the characters. There's nothing wrong with role play. A lot of the stuff that we butted up against was like logistical things and like yeah. getting overwhelmed by it, by it all. And like, kind of processing the post-production pro uh, like uh, tackling the post-production process in a way that was not conducive to like the kind of life I have to lead to make a show like this, which is like, I have to work a lot of hours at my day job. Um, and that doesn't seem to be getting better anytime soon, but, uh, we'll see, I guess. I'm not sure what the future holds for me in the workplace, but I know that I want to do this and keep doing this. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, and we're going to tackle this project together as a team. Um, I'm super excited to continue to sit next to Freeland at the table. So we will be splitting up, but um, you can get a piece. Of, you can get a piece of all of us if you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that the final question, Mariko? That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much oh, for arguing that. That was much less stressful for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Thank yes. you all for joining us on this wild ride that was Super Quest Saga. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm both like soberingly somber that it's ending, but also just extremely proud of what we've achieved yeah. and just extraordinarily thankful that all of you guys have helped support it happen. So, so yeah, this is farewell for Super Quest Saga, mm. but like Brian said, you'll be able to get a piece of us in a couple different places mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, yes. 
part of how fun this was had to do with all of you being a part of it. Um, you know, the, the, the premiere oh. drops and chatting with people and dropping in every now and again, seeing everybody talk about it in the YouTube comments and on the discord, mm -hmm. um, knowing Freeland was like poaching the comments on there. Cause he would like <laughs> quick respond to people that said mm -hmm. stuff I'm like, yes, yeah. dude, Freeland, Freeland I was rules. on it. Yeah. <laughs> like Freeland was there. Freeland was there for all that's of right. it. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for making this what it was. Um, really, really fucking awesome and amazing. Yes, yes indeed. Great with, fans. And with that, I think we can finally call it a game. Oh, ah. <laughs> oh. Ah. Oh, my, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> we will that talk meme to you video, later. that guy like yell crying, but he's not actually crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know the one, uh, the one with all the boats. <laughs> oh, that was a deep cut. No one's going to get. All we'll right. talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Gentlemen.